every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. Yo, 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 welcome back, everybody, to the Morning Dinner Podcast. This is your boy, Key, man. Chuck. Yeah, we got a whole system set up right now, bro. That's tight, huh? Yeah, finally. We finally, after 37, 38 episodes in. <laughs> today, on today's very awesome special episode, we have jeremy lee what Yo. up what up guys jeremy lee in the house jeremy lee i heard you like pizza man i do like pizza what's, I your, like, what's your favorite too. kind of pizza i like just classic pepperoni but like i literally eat any kind of pizza at any given time anywhere oh. so Same. i don't care whatever it is so I'll even hawaiian pizza oh yes dude it's such a oh my god you want to get into hawaiian pizza right <laughs> let's now let's get into yeah, it let's get, get into, into it, it man oh my god so my i grew up uh eating pizza with my mom because my mom uh, bought the pizzas when I was a kid and she ate Hawaiian pizza. And so I grew up eating Hawaiian pizza and I didn't realize it was a thing that people did not like until like yeah. a few years ago. Hawaiian pizza for you was like the norm. Like that's yeah, that's that, what there was. Yeah, that was just normal pizza. Let's keep me. it real. Did you find out about pepperoni pizza first before you found out about pepperoni? Yes. Damn. Yeah, I didn't know pepperoni was like just a thing. I thought yeah. it was like a, a topic. It was part of the pizza. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was part like, of the oh. pizza. That's Wait, what pizza let is. Let me ask real quick. Where, where, where were you born? Were you Are you from Las Vegas? or? I was born in Anaheim. Or let me be more specific. I was born in Fountain Valley, California, which is like 10 minutes from Garden Grove in uh, the OC, like Orange County. How area. far from Disneyland? That's like, a better point of reference for me. I think I was like 15 minutes. minutes 15 Ooh, 20 minutes so yeah. you pretty much a disney baby man oh yeah i grew That's up tight. in disneyland like i go every single day yeah. during the school year when we were there and Damn. we had the yearly passes when it was still like you what, could go almost bucks. every every day too yeah like, all the time dude my, me and my brother would be like okay we finished our homework you want to go to disneyland cool. yeah so we'll just oh, it's just down. like a chill spot it's oh like, yeah oh, we don't even chill. go to go to the rides we yeah. just go there just to hang out and stuff i was born in east la man damn yeah did you go to it gave me a pretty good perspective on life yeah no i'm just kidding (laughs) no i was was born in east la but as soon as i was like maybe a a month or two old me and my pops and my mom ended up going to like uh, baja cali yeah which is like mexico kind of like that's it's below the border yeah it's past the border so So you've been in the warm weather all your life then uh yeah pretty much man actually the, the the first time that it's that i realized that it could ever snow was like 2000 it snowed in like 2001 here in vegas and i remember I re- that you remember that bro yeah when it was just like pouring yeah, and it was crazy it was, no. it was, was unheard so of weird it was unheard i've never seen anything like it bro before so i was like damn. i think the only reason why i seen snow was because we went to mount charleston and it was like yeah that was the only time bro, you really i think that was it. the first time i've seen snow was up in mount charleston yeah, same. i didn't even know mount charleston existed until i was like out of high school bro <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> what do you think were the mountains around us i just thought those were mountains bro like you just those are the mountains that <laughs> on the other side you go like to california and that's it such a normal thing it's like oh yes yeah i never went i never went hiking never went uh camping like it wasn't it wasn't that uh Wow, bro! Exactly. It's all good, man. Whole it's, all, it's all good because yeah. I know about it now and I do it. You now. do. Yeah. That's live fair. it up, man. It's fair. So Where yeah, were you born. Oh. Uh, here, born and raised here. Born and raised yeah. here. Okay, I love yeah. this city. He's he's one of the the few, the proud, the rare. I see. He's That's rare. Cool. <laughs> Fuck this city, but I <laughs> but I still love it. Too, <laughs> you know, love it yeah. It's funny it's we cool. have this thing where where he just says I'm rare, I'm rare. Who me? Chuck. Yeah. I never said that. You have. I'm rare. I've never said that. Okay. I don't know, bro. He's going he to act brand new on me. That's fine. <laughs> on today's episode, up, we have Jeremy Lee. He is an independent filmmaker and creative here in Las Vegas. Uh, do you want to give the people a little intro about yourself? Kind of tell them what, who, uh, who you are and what you do? Um, I am Jeremy Lee. Started out just shooting videos just because I want to. Like, um, 
went to UNLV film school. It's funny because when I first started out, I was all computer science. And um, I, I mean, I'm still in that field-ish kind of like staying up to date. But transitioning to film from computer science was interesting because cinematography specifically, what, when, what I focus on, since I'm a cinematographer, if you didn't know already, um, is basically just computer science except with cameras. Like, you're just working with cameras. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, so it was an interesting transition for me because I was still kind of in the same mindset just doing film instead. And we started out, uh, me and my partner, Danny Shepard, who I founded the, uh, the Ismahawk channel as we know it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met at Best Buy when we were first working. Like, I just graduated high school at ATEC. Um, oh, you went to ATEC? I went to yeah. ATEC. Hey, you're talking to two people here that who didn't get accepted. Who had four point Yeah, bro, we had what four point oh. We just didn't it's get a accepted. lottery. Yeah, it's a lottery. They don't they don't choose by your GPA. They choose. They, it's literally a lottery. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you you do you know something? What? Yeah, do, do you know do, somebody? Do you know somebody? Because I know you have to be like grandfathered in too. Like, there's two things you can either be is to like get in for sure. Like, if you yeah. have a family member in there, okay, you can literally get. Well, when did you guys go? Well, I applied 2000, uh, 2011, I graduated, so it's four years ago. 2004, 2005. I think my class was the last class that was based on GPA, and then after that, it was lottery. Damn. Yeah, because I remember that transition, because my brother, uh, my younger brother, was grandfathered in a couple of years later. I graduated in 09, and that was the last class that they just, like, they actually oh, yeah, looked yeah, at for your sure. application. Damn. Damn. Dude, I don't you know. guys missed it, man. I don't know, man. I, yeah. I it was I'm a little salty. Yeah, I was <laughs> super I worked, salty because yeah, I worked so hard. Like I, oh. I fucking did so much to get that 4.0. Yeah. And then when I told like my counselors didn't even let me know, and I kept telling them I want to go to ATEC. Yeah. I want to get in computer science. Yeah. Or computer engineering or whatever. And then they they literally told me like, oh yeah, it's actually um a lottery. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like they basically pick out a fucking hat. And they're yeah. like, yeah. I was like. Well, essentially, too, because, like, ATEC gets so many people that want to go to that school that yeah. at the end of the day, they can only accept so many 4.0s, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they have to start handpicking at some point. Yeah. So, plus, the only extracurricular that I had was orchestra, so I was like, I don't know. Maybe Damn they were man. looking for something else. I feel I feel salty for it's you guys It's all good, now. man. Yeah. Like, I feel it hey, now, I went too. to Desert Pines, bro. I'm good. I went okay. to Mojave. We had a, <laughs> we, we had a lockdown because there was a shooting one time. <laughs> I got some All life good, experience man. that ATEC <laughs> cannot give me. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. Dude, ATEC uh, was weird. ATEC was interesting. It's definitely a different crowd. It's yeah. still a great school, just a really different experience than most other people have. Wait, so you wanted to go for computer science. That means like taking computers apart, fixing them. That's coding, right? Or is no, that... coding. Coding. Okay. Yeah, computer so... engineering is what you're what, actually building yeah. with your hands. I wanted oh, okay. to actually build computers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what my dad wanted me to do. Yeah. That's probably so... why he wanted me to apply to ATEC. Yeah. that computers are here to stay, mijo. <laughs> yeah no it really is are. it yeah. changed the game it it was crazy because the perspective on i don't know i guess my childhood and the rest of the world based in computer science because we were we grew up in an era like all of us like where the transition from analog to digital into the internet like yep we were in a weird time and so oh, like going sure. to a like for high school that was um a wacky experience definitely yeah i mean what got you into computer science though um I mean, I've been building computers since I was like four, five. Because it's so fucked. I didn't know what computer science meant. You know what I mean? Well, you've been yeah. building computers since you were four or five? Yeah. Bro, I was like 13 when I found out there were computers. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. What are well, you wait, doing? No, hold on, hold on. I'm, I think I'm older than you though, right? I'm 20. I'm, tw- I'm turning 28 next, or in December. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm 26. Okay. okay. I'm turning oh, yeah. 27. Oh, so never mind then. <laughs> we just didn't have a computer until I was, yeah, bro, so I was <laughs> way older. Yeah. So how'd you get into A-Tech? Because if he's, if he's older than you, damn. Huh? Yeah. Fuck A-Tech. Yeah, it's I'm all just good. wondering. Talk, bro. I really don't know, man. I'm so salty. I don't want to bring up <laughs> You're that. still salty. <laughs> I don't want to bring up that old scar, bro. Just, yeah, no, just very intense. I'm happy very though, because then I, I found hey, out how worth this school was, and I was like, you know what? I don't even <laughs> give a fuck no more. Wait, so wait, so you went to school for computer science at ATEC, mm-hmm. and then you decided you wanted a career, and that that's when you went to college for that, or did you switch it up? So or? college was always a thing that I knew I was going to go to, just because. You know, growing up, my family was like, "Hey, you should go to college. It it'll help you get a yeah. job." And I'm like, "Okay." But help. but did you want to go to college? Um, I guess yes, specifically because I wanted to keep, like, when I saw the the catalog for the classes I was picking, I was like, "This is dope." Yeah. I mean, I can sign up for anything I want and then like learn anything I want. Yeah. To, and I'm paying to go to learn it. That's cool because everyone there should be in that same mindset that they want to learn too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to college and try it out. And so I went to UNLV to start in electrical engineering because I didn't want to do computer science anymore. That four years in high school of computer science just drained me. I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this as a desk job. So I looked at electrical engineering to actually build you know, robots and electrical systems, stuff like that, work with my hands. And so I spent like a year. So I spent a total of six years at UNLV. First year was electrical engineering. Second year was uh, pre-med, so biology and stuff like that for neurosurgery. And then I quickly found out, like, after a semester, I was like, no, not for me. Second semester, I took a break. Third year, I did uh, finance, I think. And then I switched to the dental program. And then I switched to computer science finally going back to computer science after trying like all those different majors for the first uh three years and i was like you know what maybe i should just go back to what i know so i went to computer science my fourth year and after that fir- uh, fourth year i was like you know what maybe anything in like a solid career choice like having a, f- a solid plan for your future is not for me because that's Damn, not that's crazy the way- that's not the way i think and mm-hmm. So that around that time was around the time I met Danny. Because right after high school, I got my first job at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met Danny. And uh, we became friends there. He went on to Apple. And I went on to work as a valet at Planet Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And was making money there. And in the meanwhile, we were still talking and you know making small videos together for his YouTube channel. The Ismahawk YouTube channel actually started out as Danny's. And... Um, that's where our name come from comes from too. It's uh, I was gonna his, ask. Yeah, it's his gamer tag, and so oh. when we first started making videos, uh, we made a couple of like stupid short films. You know how you we all do when we first start out filming stuff with friends. And uh, one day, outside of the gym, because we used to work out together, uh, we used to have brainstorming sessions out in the parking lot, like in the middle of the night at, yeah. at the gym, and so we we'd be talking and it was my turn to pick a video idea because we'd take turns picking ideas for the next video that we do. And I had a crazy idea because uh, The Dark Knight Rises was going to come out the year after. I think hey, so. You guys are like, oh, this movie's going to come out. In, yeah, this movie's going to come out. Like... And I was like, dude, how how much money are you going to bet that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is going to be like Robin or like the next Nightwing or something? And I was like, you know what? How about we make our own Nightwing? And you guys like, predicted do- that? 
I maybe the, it kind of like led itself to a point because if you are into this kind of lore and you yeah. pay attention to like to maybe what it's yeah. maybe because I'm not when I saw that happen in the movie I was sort of like what yeah it's definitely you know a I mean? different experience <laughs> like especially talking to people who aren't into this kind of thing or like yeah. who don't follow it like the way we do I mean I follow a little bit of it like I I like the Flash you know what I mean yeah that's kind of that's probably pretty much my favorite one yeah. and then you got all the Marvel stuff but that's a whole other universe yeah I, I know that much it's funny because like all of us are like well versed in every single movie and lore like and yeah, you all guys the are characters. crazy with that. I'm and like, it's not, be- it's because we're fans, but like, it's not, it's because we just, you know, keep up with it, you know, mm-hmm. over time, over the course of our entire lives. That's, yeah. that's well, it's part pretty of your, much it. It's part of your culture, kind of. Yeah, it is. It you know? really is part of our culture now. Um, Wait, so that logo on your hat, that's the Ismahawk logo, right? Yes, it is. Now, I have to ask, man, you, you said Ismahawk was his gamer tag. Yeah. But what does Ismahawk mean? So. Did he have like a pet hog or pet, pet hawk? Hog. No. Pet hawk. And he so, goes like, oh, that's, that's. It's my hog. So it's my hog. It's my hog. When we, uh, his first gamer tag was Hawkeyes like two four seven or something like that, and he was working at a game crazy. I think it was. Damn. Game, game crazy. crazy. And Are those still bad. around? Mm-hmm. No, oh. I don't think so. It went down with Hollywood Video. Yeah, yeah. dude. I do, you're right now is the first time I'm remembering uh, Game Crazy, bro. Yeah. Dude, Game Crazy was dope. Yeah, so um, dope. It was cool. Uh, so Danny was working that uh, during high school, and uh, all of his friends who worked there and his you know boss, they all had like really cool names for the gamer tags, and yeah. he was like. Mine is just Hawkeyes with a number. I was like, I, I want something clean, you know, yeah. like just one word. I want a brand. And so he was talking to his supervisor and his and asking, how do I come up with a, a dope name like yours? And, you know, for my gamer tag, he was like, well, think of stuff that, you know, kind of like applies to you, like your history your culture or like things that you like and start from there, like find interesting words, maybe make up some words, uh, like take parts of different words and put them together. And so he took Hawkeye, the hawk part of Hawkeyes, just because sounds cool. Mm-hmm. And he was reading up on his culture. Danny is Persian, um, and he was reading about like the origin of the assassins, because assassins originated in what is now modern day Iraq in Persia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Isma part of it is the root word for Ismail or Ismaili. Ish- I think Ishmael. Yeah. So, yeah, like similar to that, and um, which are which is like a little small sect or group of uh, Shiite Muslims who founded the Order of Assassins to you know what it is today, and so he thought that was cool. Take the Isma word and put it with Hawk Isma Hawk. Dang, oh, that's, that's pretty actually, deep, yeah. though. Like, cause like I'm like I never thought that hard for like a gamer tag. Because yeah. he, cause he I wanted heard. something really cool, you know? So he came up with that, put it as his gamer tag, and then when he was making his uh, videos, he needed to upload to YouTube. So he created a channel, just named it his gamer tag, Ismahawk. Yeah. And at the time, YouTube did not allow you to change your name or, you know, uh, like change the different display name that you yeah. have now, like instead of like the company name and then the actual person's name. Yeah. Um, the update for that rolled out a couple of years later, and we looked at each other and was like, so YouTube lets us change... Uh, the name of the channel now. Should we keep Ismog or should we name it like Danny and Jeremy or something like that or like change it to our actual names? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I like Ismog. We should just keep it. So we just kept Ismog and it's been like that ever since. Damn. And that was the birth of what the world would remember to be Ismog. 
Now tell the I mean, people. We'll see. <laughs> tell, tell, the, tell the people you you guys you guys specialize right now because when you go on your YouTube channel, the yeah. most popular thing is uh, superhero action films, right? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about the process that goes behind into making those kinds of videos? Do you guys just randomly have ideas that go like, I want to make this, or this would be cool, yeah. or how how what inspires you guys to make these films? That's literally what we do. Yeah. Like we'll we'll sit around, come up with ideas, and it's most of the time just hanging out, chit chatting, and we'll come up with an idea. And I think it's because we are all actual fans of the lore and the content and the characters themselves, we think of it in a different perspective rather than, you know, like, oh, what would be a cool video? Like this character versus this character or, you know, some other thing. But since we're fans of these characters, we think of like interesting ways to match them up. Mm -hmm. um, and since Danny had already finished film school by the time like we started making videos for like officially for the channel, I had just started. Um he had a different perspective than I did, and I we kind of just merged our ideas together. Mm -hmm. Like I, I came of it, I came to those ideas in a, um, I guess a more technical side of things. Like, oh, how can we actually do this right now? And then mm -hmm. Danny came from the side of like the creative, like uh, how, things. like what scenes are we going to create? That that more kind of like thing? what would tell an interesting story, like oh, okay. between two characters, because you can just pick two characters that are similar mm -hmm. to you know to each other and just you know throw them in a fight, but that yeah. wouldn't be interesting. What would what would be interesting is if you found characters that have, um, I don't know, different backstories or uh, different abilities, like emotion, like emotionally emotional attachments to certain abilities and put them together in a room like mm -hmm. how would they react to each other yeah i saw the one I, two of my favorite ones were the ones where you had uh the flash versus uh was it was it the, that quicksilver quicksilver that's yeah. what i was gonna say quicksilver that's how you know i don't know these characters. <laughs> and, then, and then i saw the one where it was uh deadpool versus deadpool yeah bro those were those were so yeah, I can't dope, even, bro. i've watched all of them I'm i like, was like Damn. i think it made me happy when I found out that you guys were from Vegas back in the day, I was like, damn, this is some quality shit. Yeah, I was no like, this idea. is Vegas. Oh my God. I had no idea. Because, like, you know, I'm a big fan of Corridor Digital and Damn. all them. And it's like, when I seen that out here, it made me so happy. I was like, oh, that's the shit we Dude, need. Because we funny. don't have creatives like that out here. It's We're trying to bring it here. You know, mm -hmm. it's um, it's an interesting time right now. And because we're getting better at what we do and we're growing as a company, but we're also like in a time where the film industry here in Vegas is starting to grow too. Mm -hmm. Like grow mm -hmm. differently than how it did, you know, a few years ago. How do you mean by grow differently? You mean by like the laws are changing for filming out here? Or? Um, laws, attitudes, people from LA, like LA crew coming out here. Oh, you mean shoot. like more, more cultures coming into Vegas? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like the film community itself it's is growing. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause, I, Cause I've seen, uh, big movies come to Vegas, like the hangover and all that stuff. Yeah, but absolutely. I, but I, I would like to see more independent stuff out here. Yeah. There's actually, know? um, I think last year, no, 2016 there were 13 independent movies worked here i worked two of them oh damn um, uh 2017 i think another 21 independent movies were shot here and then damn. i think this year has been less so far but i think that's because there were some like changes in laws and for the tax breaks yeah that were here because the new tesla gigafactory is building out here by the solar farm what's that the tesla gigafactory yeah so tesla is moving its um uh, it's battery manufacturing and car and engineering facility over here. He like Elon Musk is building an entire factory and it's still being built right now. It's, it's I think so it's, big. It's massive. Is it a mile long or is it longer than that? I think it's going to be longer than that. Wait, it's is it so still Elon Musk? Because I heard he got kicked out of his own company, right? I mean, he's not CEO anymore. He but for shares for, and for as yeah. of right now, for the next three years. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, he's still like fucking doing yeah. shit. She's like, there. I know everybody there. They're going to do what I tell them to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just how that like, corporate they, they already is. have a plan, so they're yeah. going to follow the plan. Mm-hmm. It's just corporate bullshit. That's like, why, like, Mr. Robot taught me so much. Yeah. When I watched that, I was like, damn. Absolutely. This is really dude. how it is. Yeah, like, it is. It's, so, so starting out, yeah. when you were first starting out in mm-hmm. film, like, what were your, some of your biggest influences? Uh, quarter digital. Like yeah. you said, ah. it's crazy. Because when we first started out, um, like, not speaking about film in general, like how we got into film mm-hmm. itself, like when we were kids, but when we started the channel itself and started making videos, our influences were definitely like early YouTube. Yeah. Because what blew my mind at the time and what kind of pushed me to actually start making films was that other people on our level, like with our budgets, can do it too. Like yeah. On a on a penny stretch a penny so far it, it, so that that's the point yeah. where you realize like okay i got no excuse yeah. and, and i remember the this. moment too it was 2006 late 2006 Damn. or early 2007 2006 um yeah dang that was a long was that was you was youtube out at two, YouTube, 2006 youtube first came online in december 2005 yeah, i think and then a long it, time ago Damn. yeah and 2006 is really like the year where youtube grew to where it is now mm-hmm. like it really blew up yeah and so at the time there was like uh a handful of channels on youtube and i still follow them, all of them now and it's crazy that now we're all friends with those people like yeah that i used so to watch tight. it blows my mind um, but I saw one of the first videos I've ever seen from Corda Digital was uh, their Frozen Crossing video for Modern Warfare 1 when it was first Damn. coming out. Yeah. They were still in Minnesota at the time, or they were there like visiting family, and they mm-hmm. took that chance to film a video for the new Modern Warfare coming out. And uh, it was all snow, and it looked awesome. And I remember watching that video, and I read the, look, looked at the behind the scenes, read an article, and they said that they made that video for 400 bucks. And I'm like, what? is mm-hmm. going on like you mean you can just spend 400 bucks get a few friends together get a camera from somewhere and start filming stuff yeah and eventually you'll get better and better to a point where you can actually make it look really good yeah because that video still holds up today i think like mm-hmm. it looks awesome and from then on i talked to danny because i knew danny was uh making videos himself mm-hmm. and i was like bro you need help and i was like and he was like uh yeah can i need all the help i can get because at the time when danny was doing his videos not a lot of other people were helping out because they were like obviously they didn't see anything in nobody it. yeah no, no one nobody, saw anything in nobody it. sees the value in something until it blows up finally. yeah exactly yeah. and like youtube was so new it just came out that year and i was like you know what i should i should hit danny up because this might be something and i want to start making videos Wait, so th- this was 2006 yeah oh dang okay so t- 2006 oh no um i I watched that video in 2006. I didn't uh, right. hang out with Danny until like, like 2012-11. More like 2009-2010, oh, okay. I'd say. Yeah, yeah that's so when I, I graduated high school. So yeah. you started making videos like 2009, you'd say, or 2010? Mm, I'd say 2010. Got yeah, it. it was right after I graduated high school. So you guys have been working together for eight years now, huh? Eight, yeah, nine years. that's crazy. I didn't think of it like that <laughs> in a while. I feel like you guys are going to have a 10-year... Uh, anniversary coming over like a 10 yeah. year re- it's like, uh, oh no i gotta remember what, what day is it <laughs> um yeah so we started making videos uh in 2010 and um just started uploading our stuff and when we did the nightwing video uh we it was just like the three of us mm-hmm. um it was me danny and then one of our other friends who was lending his camera to us and who were just helping out a little bit uh, was our first nightwing video and that just skyrocketed it came out 
like a couple of days after The Dark Knight Rises came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just the timing and luck that yeah. it just blew up because uh, we thought that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character was going to be Nightwing, like reveal himself as Nightwing in the movie. Yeah. And then at the end credits, like he was talking like, oh, my name's Robin. People were searching up Robin and searching up like that. And so it just jumped up in search results uh, and landed yeah. on the front page. Now, is there a difference between Robin and Nightwing? Or are they the same character but different universes? Uh, or Robin, how does that work? So Robin and Nightwing are just names for like the the mantle of that hero itself. And many people have taken up like that mantle. Okay. So like how Batman is just the name. Bruce Wayne was the original Batman, but there have been other people who have taken the name Batman and mm-hmm. you know, wore the suit too. So Robin and Nightwing are two different. Damn, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, Robin and Nightwing are two different characters. Robin, like... If you think the original Robin, Dick Grayson, um, think of it in terms like this. Like, Robin was under Batman's wing. Like, he was the kid, the sidekick. And so, growing up, uh, Dick Grayson, Robin, pissed at him, left Batman, and became his own hero, Nightwing. Nightwing. So, Nightwing is Robin grown up. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That that makes a whole world of sense now. Yeah. When you put it that way, to somebody who doesn't come from like a comic book or superhero yeah, background, exactly. that makes a lot more That's sense. Because everybody's way. heard of Robin. Everybody who is not into that that world yeah. because of the Dark Knight film, because of the Batman cartoons, yeah. everybody knows it's Batman and Robin. They got songs about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, Dude, I, That's like the tagline, Batman and Robin. Yeah. That was the whole show. That was the cartoon. Yeah, like back in the day too. Yeah. New uh-huh. Adventures of Batman and Robin. Batman Which one was blue? that? Which one was that one that was, that was a, it wasn't Batman but it was like a skinny kid, and he had like the the Batman outfit. It was uh, it used to be like on Channel Thirteen, bro. During Saturday morning cartoons, I think he was like black and red, maybe. I know who you're. You talking know about. who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. I can't his, remember though. And I don't know because the thing is, like, I know with comic books and all that stuff, there's there's old infinite universes, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can have so many variations of it, different storylines. I mean, that's why they have. Are the you video talking games. about Teen Titans? No, I'm gonna look it up right now as yeah, soon as we as soon as I get some time. Yeah, but uh. Off the topic, uh, you recently you recently posted uh, on Instagram about a collaboration with Screw Attack. Yes. Is there anything that you can say about that project? Um, we have a BTS of it, and if you want to see the, the a behind big, the scenes video, yeah, a behind the scenes video on really? our channel. So Nightwing versus Daredevil is a collaboration between us, Ismahawk, and the uh, Screw Attack YouTube channel, who mm-hmm. is under Rooster Teeth, and they are some of the coolest people I have ever met. They're so nice, and it just came out of I don't know tweeting at each other on mm-hmm. Twitter. And, uh, no, no, no. So for dude, for real, like just tweeting each other. Yeah, I mean it That's really helps crazy. that we have verified accounts on Twitter. Yeah, it definitely yeah. helps a lot. Yeah, but I don't like the superhero fight community on YouTube is fairly small. I'd say like there's only a handful of YouTube channels that actually do the stuff that we do mm-hmm. because I'm. You guys know how expensive it is to film stuff and make videos, right? Oh yeah. So couple that with the fact that VFX is super expensive, fight choreography yeah. is really expensive and hard, and like just the level that we're trying to like we're trying to do high production value stuff every single time too. You're every trying to like time, step it up. Yeah, exactly for YouTube. Like, just think. Let that sink <laughs> in for a sec. <laughs> YouTube for YouTube. So we're there's only like five other channels i can think of like freddie wong you know like rocket yeah. jump and even still like they i don't think they do the stuff that you guys really have done not, Wait, so, so for, for people who are out there listening yeah can you explain what rocket uh what's it what's it called rooster teeth is and rocket jump and all, all these terms because yeah. there's a lot of people who listen to to this podcast but they're not necessarily into that world yeah so yeah. in the in this community on of superhero fighting on youtube which is weird to say because i never really think of it like that but it's definitely a community mm-hmm. um there's 
a handful of other channels. Yep. And uh, we are one of them, Ismahawk. Uh, Rooster Teeth now owns... This is like a whole bunch of... Uh, Rooster Teeth owns a lot of stuff, don't they? Rooster Teeth owns a lot of stuff, but only by proxy because there's other companies that own Rooster Teeth and they all own those umbrella companies. Kind of how like Pepsi owns 5,000 different brands. Wait, what's yeah. like the but main YouTube Pepsi's... one maker? What is it? The Disney? So those are MCNs. Uh, okay. MCNs are multi-channel networks mm-hmm. where if you think of MCNs are like the studio, uh, the channels are the the clients, like the, mm-hmm. the actors and the... You know, the stars and stuff like that. And so YouTube operates off of an MCN kind of networking platform where uh, each MCN owns their channels and recruits, you know, channels under their wing. And they use those, those channels to like sell, sell themselves basically and advertising and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So uh, the MCN that we are under right now is uh, studio 71 and studio 71 also, um, is partnered with or manages rather uh, Quarter Digital and oh, uh, so you guys so are is this, it, wow. my bad. So is it like an agency almost? Like, do they yeah, help you similar. out? Like, yeah, getting, I was like, gonna say, what what's the benefit of, of going with somebody like that? So when you sign up with an MCN, you get assigned a, an agent or like a um, a manager. Like mm-hmm. he helps manage your not like the whole branding. Like you still have to do all your stuff, but he. Or she, um, whoever your person is, your contact at the MCN is, they help bring in brand deals, they help advertising, mm, they help it. collaborations. Uh, like if we wanted to get someone else who's also under Studio 71 in one of our videos, they can link us up because they all work together. That's yeah, yeah, I think FilmRite used to be under one. Yeah, Studio 71 manages The Rock's YouTube channel too. So we are like one degree away from The Rock. Damn. But That's we so just tight. can't get him in a video because he's so busy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So busy. I mean, even no matter what kind of connection you have to somebody like that, when they're so busy, their schedule, their time, literally, it's not yeah, available. it's just so. hard. Was it like the yeah. Corridor Digital, didn't uh, Sam like interview him or something? The Rock? Or yeah, I think they did. It was just funny. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah. Real cool. quick, cool. Th- this is who I was talking about. Oh, yeah, Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond, that's who it was. Oh, yep. So I that's the that. next Batman in the line. Like I said, there's Bruce Wayne isn't the only Batman. That's the next Batman in line. Oh. See, I never knew this. Yeah, because yeah, so, he, he came from a more futuristic time. Exactly. That's, uh, so I like that. in that show, Bruce Wayne is like 90 years old or something, and he yeah. recruits Terry McGinnis, that guy. See, th- that's one of the things, too, man, mm-hmm. I feel about comics, and I'm just going to vent. I feel like there's so many different universes, routes, alternate yeah. this and that, that it feels like for somebody like me i don't know where to start you know what i mean like am i should i like what's the original like where where should somebody start if they wanted to get into like all this stuff literally just go to your local comic book store and ask the person in front because they i'm i guarantee you every comic book store has the cashier or whoever works there who knows about all this stuff and they'll usually (laughs) they have dedicated their life to that right yeah exactly and they (laughs) like they'll recommend you stuff and really if you really don't know where to start just start with the latest issue of something like pick a character Pick up that comic and start reading. And then finish that whole series. Because I'm in the anime, and that's yeah. how I feel with it exactly. a lot of the time. And times. in comic books, too, like at the beginning of the issue, they usually tell you, it, like, if you're missing something, you should read this issue first before oh, reading yeah. that. So mm. they'll help you. Like, they know what it's like to just, you know, be blind. Be to overwhelmed whole... by all that. Exactly. Do you watch anime? Um, I used to a lot. Oh, I just don't to? have time anymore. Yeah. I mean, I really want to start pick back up. Like yeah. I, wa- I was watching My Hero Academia. Yeah. Oh so my good. god, so good. That storytelling, the acting, the voice, like everything, everything. about it. The fact, the fact that uh, was it Chris Sabat is the voice for for. Oh, yeah, uh, bro, that's uh, one of my favorite name? voice actors. Oh, I don't watch it in. Yeah. What? Dubbed. 
Chris at? Oh, you don't watch the... No, yeah, he I watches can't. the subvert. Or I the, don't know. I, sure. I For some reason, I just... Oh, yeah, because I don't have... I don't pay for it, so... No, it's free. I find off one of those sites, and I'm like, oh. You go, you go to Funimation, I think it's free. Really? Yeah, I could yeah. be lying. Maybe I pay I for know. it. I don't know. should be now. I guess yeah. I just like the sub version, because it just feels a little bit more... Because, you know, I've been watching yeah. anime for... I watch so much anime. That's yeah. all I watch. Yeah. It's like, I'll literally... Any new seasons that come out mm-hmm. for any new anime, I'll watch them all mm-hmm. and just give them a try. See, so, yeah, I feel oh, like cool. I feel like for me, I'd rather watch the subbed ver- or dubbed dub version because then I can have some leeway of being able to do other things as well. So I, I can see. be watching the episode, yeah. hearing it, but also edit edit a photo shoot or something like yeah. that. Yeah, as opposed to just having that. That's why Dude, I can't play video games. Do that. I can't put anything <clears throat> on and then like nah, just me, work. I can put music, but it has to be no. Uh, no lyrics. I see. Like jazz. Yeah, I mean, I can't edit video when I'm watching, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Too, it's crazy how so many people watch stuff, like put a show on in the yeah. background and they, they work because I can't do that. Because when I put on a show, I need to sit down and watch it. Yeah, yeah. same I, here. I get drawn and I want to pay attention. Like, See, that's the same reason I can't play video games, bro. I really? can't. I can't sit down and do something. Like... I, if I'm doing just one thing, yeah. I feel like I'm 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 wasting my time and I could be doing two things. Yeah. You know what so I mean? So that it's a hard lesson to learn for me because oh, yeah. I've gotten to a point where I'm like, dude, don't multitask all the time if you like self care is important. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of people in our industry specifically and just like entrepreneurs or like in our age group, like millennials and yeah. stuff, like working towards a goal you tend to draw yourself too thin just because you're so focused. Oh, I need to get from here to here. But like, that's part of the journey is getting there, you know? And so if you don't take care of yourself and just enjoy things, like just sit down and play a game, then you're never going to do it. And you're going to miss out on a whole thing, especially in our industry. And learning that over the past few years is like really eye opening. Like, for example, um, this new Spider-Man game that came out, Oh, I heard it was dope. Dude, it's incredible. And if I didn't play it, then I wouldn't have all of these new ideas uh, to put that's onto true. paper. You know? That's true. Yeah. Like It could get deep. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I see a lot of things. Like, I play games, like, and especially, you know, League of Legends, all that. Mm-hmm. So, my strategic skills start working. And I can actually, like, use that in real, yeah. like, life, like, day-to-day things. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, dude, like, it's it dude. keeps your brain on. Now, if you're playing like Grand Theft Auto and you just go around shooting people, yeah. <laughs> like that's why I can kind of see shit being a little brain dead. But when you actually have to complete things, yeah, it feels good too. It I does feel good. Like it, you're accomplishing something else, mm-hmm. you know. And dude, even Grand Theft Auto, like even if you do play the Grand missions, Theft Auto, the missions the mission, are cool. Yeah, but yeah. like, dude, we so Ismahawk is part of uh, Facebook's gaming pilot program. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. So you guys live stream your video game playing, Yeah, right? and it's funny because it comes full circle. We used to play Grand Theft Auto mindlessly and now we pay, like, we get paid to play it. That's so you dumb. Know? Yeah. It's That's so, tight. like, if you don't just go out and do stuff, you're never going to get the chance, you know? Like, yeah. going out hiking and stuff like that. Like, I go out hiking, yeah, it's cool and it's fun, but I also look at it in a way where specifically for me as a cinematographer, when I see stuff that is really nice in real life, I try to replicate it or like yeah. capture that essence inspiration on film. From yeah. It's inspiration. Anything you do other than what your job is, is inspiration for what it is you're trying to focus on, you know? Like True your that. creativity. Man. The the, the last game I played was uh, God of War. Mm-hmm. The new one, what's it called? Dude, it's just God of War. It's just God Dude, of War, I right? just finished that. It is so incredible. It's mind-blowing. And I'm already like... 
like just watching that game, I learned more about storytelling and narrative, like and yeah. how to frame stuff. They always kill it, bro. Every I, you know what's funny is I yeah. I was playing that new one, and then I, I'm thinking to myself like, damn, I remember the first game that it, that came out, the first God of War that came yeah. out in like 2005 or something like that. Yeah, long time ago. I was like, I remember that game. That game blew my mind when I first played it. Mm-hmm. I went back and I played it, bro. I was like, what is this, dude? The, it, why why is everything look so blocky? Like it doesn't hold up well. It doesn't, yeah. bro. But but at the new time, War? but at the time compared to what oh, yeah. was coming out, it was yeah. like revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. kind of how I feel about Prince of Persia. Like that game, because I had played that game. Like I yeah. played all all of them. Yeah, yeah, dude. The dude of time. Did you finish God of War? Yeah, the new one. Yeah, dude. The storytelling in this and the oh, acting, yeah, God of War the is writing no is yeah. so good. And if I didn't play God of, if I didn't just take a break and sit down and play God of War, I wouldn't have gotten that story in my repertoire and like my library in my head. Because mm-hmm. now I can use all of the lore and the the writing style, the way that they do things, and the way that they tell stories in God of War in my work now too damn so that's crazy you can legitimately say like yo if you catch me playing video games for six hours straight yeah i'm literally working right now yeah you can say that yeah because it is it is your job it is dude we are in this creative space so anything creative you do is your job yeah and don't forget that because people tend to think oh yeah i'm just watching the show that means i'm not working no you are working like but you have to be in that mindset that you're working you know because if you're just mindlessly watching something you're not gonna get anything from it that's true man that's true a lot of the things Mm -hmm. that we watch even like from tv shows and movies Mm -hmm. uh they all inspire you in some way if you're open to that you know if if you're if you're watching what while watching that show with the mindset of like oh that would be tight for mm-hmm. me to try yeah or how can i make that differently or how can i take that and, yeah. you know and it, same oh, oh, sorry no, and, you, and same goes for watching stuff that you don't like or stuff that you normally wouldn't watch yeah like if you don't like something keep it in your mind okay don't do that yeah. or don't do it yeah, that way or true. like think about how you would do it you know literally expose yourself to everything yeah exactly yeah. and some people get like tunnel vision you know like they get i don't know in their own little bubble sometimes. Yeah. You got to break out of it sometimes. Yeah. I, I I tr- that's why I try to do everything. And that's more of just because I'm jack of all trades, but good mm-hmm. at none. Yeah. Same. Like, I'm just like, oh, I like making music right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll literally stop everything and just make some music. Yeah. I'll go, like, web design. I'll just mm-hmm. watch people make web design, like, you know, building websites. Yeah. You like, just started doing that, too. I was like, like, bro, what are you doing? That's cool, man. You know? Yeah. Just try to do everything. Dude. Because it's just, it's That's fun. literally what I do, too. Like, just either because I want it or out of necessity. Like, I build all almost all the costumes that we use in our Oh, videos. yeah. That, I want to start doing that, too. Dude, you like, need to Damn. start. Man, there's not there's only a handful of, like, costume makers and prop makers in Vegas. So The, the one I know, um, what's his name? He, he was at our studio, Junior. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He worked at uh, David Sachs back in the day. Oh, he's That's dope. Cool. He, he's dope. He makes some dope shit. Him and uh, this older dude. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. We used to have a studio downtown in Vegas. Uh, it was like a... It was like on the second floor of this old building. Commerce. And, yeah, Commerce Street in Utah like Wyoming. Or Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> he said Utah. There's a Utah Street. <laughs> there, there is. is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Colorado too. Never mind then. But yeah, the dude was downstairs, had a whole shop with just props, bro. And I was like, damn. And they that's made cool. some dope shit. Like I yeah. was like, ooh, damn. And nobody knows about it. And they were constantly busy because you could tell like they, yeah. there was not a lot of people who, who were doing what yeah. they did because it was so intricate, you know? Because mm-hmm. he know? brought the guy who did uh, Batman. He did, The guy who did most of the, in Dark Knight, mm-hmm. it was like, he was just like, you know, chilling with them. He did all the props, like built everything. Like I feel like I know who th- I've met him before. I can't remember. You probably have, cause it, it's crazy. Like I was just yeah. like, I didn't know how serious shit got, but he's like, oh yeah, the computer yeah. when computers explode and shit. He's like, I have to remake the whole entire computer all the way to the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there can't be real shit in there. Yeah, 
because people get hurt, you know. And I'm like, damn. Wait, so so going back to to Ismahawk, do you, do, is it just you and Danny, or is there a team behind it? Uh, How does that work? It's a whole team now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've grown to over ten people or something wow. like that in our network. Damn. But like, our core team is really six or seven seven people ish. Mm-hmm. So it's me, Danny, and um, our friend Melissa. And I'm head of production, Danny's creative director, and Melissa is uh, uh, operations manager. So she helps us with a lot of all the day-to-day stuff, like the organizational stuff, taxes, like just accounting, and every everything that helps get us in order. And I right. handle everything that's on the production side. And Now, that is something that you guys didn't learn in school is it like that's something that you had to kind no. of figure out? Yeah, as we you had went to figure it out ourselves. And I specifically... Because Melissa came from the tech world. She has helped fund, like, million-dollar startups in San Francisco Ooh, and stuff nice. like that. And, the, and how we know her is she used to work um, with uh, Danny's older brother, Chris Shepard, who mm-hmm. founded HashRabbit, which is a Bitcoin company, cryptocurrency. Mm. And um, I'm familiar. And so, Melissa, that's how we got to know each other. And then she came over and she, because she wanted a career pivot. She didn't want to stay in like the tech startup industry and stuff like that. And so, jumping over to our side, the film side, I brought most of the, the, uh, the film knowledge to Melissa and she merged it with her knowledge of how to run a startup and indie productions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, that's how we merged together. That's so, like, cool. that's our three pillars like oh, me, nice. Danny, and Melissa. Do you, do, you guys, do you guys get interns and stuff like that? Yeah, we do. Um, we have two, three right now. Three. We have three. Okay. Yes. Because if you're looking for a fourth, <laughs> I was going to ask you, what, what what has been your biggest hurdle in this entire production of Isma Hawk and creating your content and everything that you guys biggest have accomplished? Biggest hurdle? Um, I'd say the biggest hurdle is an ongoing hurdle. It's just staying consistent. Staying consistent? Yeah, staying consistent because people tend to um, like drop off after a while. I don't know mm-hmm. how else to explain it. Like, not like distance but like people usually look to a leader to keep them going like if someone doesn't give them a task they're not going to like actively look for a task you know mm-hmm. and so then that's just natural like people's natural states and yeah, so yeah sure. just staying consistent even on our end like just keeping it up that's been the hardest part so you mean like with your actual with with your team and making these films, yeah, not not so much like the audience. Uh, well, that's a whole other thing. Like yeah. it, actually running a business, that's its own bucket right mm-hmm. there. But like the actual like living your life and forwarding your career, that's the biggest ongoing. And that's why I said ongoing hurdle because mm-hmm. it's gonna be it. It started when we started making films, and it's gonna end when we die. So mm-hmm. it's an ongoing hurdle all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Just staying consistent. And that's the biggest thing. Like anytime we go to any of these conventions, we do panels, uh, people ask us online, like, uh, how do you make a YouTube channel? And I just tell them, dude, be consistent. Whatever it is you want to do, just keep at it. You know? Yeah. Cause yeah, it's crazy. There, there, there was this dude that I used to watch on YouTube, uh, Jeremy Rain Haints or I, I can't, I can never pronounce his name. It's like a tongue twister. Yeah. But he, he he didn't have any subscribers. He had like maybe 50, 100 subscribers, you know, but he was posting every day, mm-hmm. literally. And for some reason, I was drawn back to keep watching his content left and right. I didn't know why. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a crazy vlog. It was literally him walking around his house, talking to the camera, giving his philosophies on like a TV yeah. show that he just watched because he was a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. 
content is king. Yeah, you like the content. You know so what I mean? And back. I would, but it's like, but if if I watch it, if I showed it to somebody who wasn't in this industry, they'd be like, oh, that's boring. Yeah. Why are you watching some dude walk around? But for me, I found something else. Yeah. With the knowledge he was given and kind of just the content that he was putting out, mm-hmm. that it drew me to come back and keep watching. Yeah. I watch it for like a straight. Year, I think it's man. that whole thing you said. It's just too. Uh, the thing about people is somebody out there is gonna like it. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And somebody. If, Whatever it is that you like to do, there's always a way to make money off of it. That's just the world we live in. Especially capitalism. now. Yeah, especially now with yeah. the internet. Yeah. Like I heard, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talk yeah. about it. He's like, what? Do, do, do you like old school Pokemon stickers? That's fine. Make a business out of it. Yeah. You can literally make yeah. a business and out of I, anything. There is right yeah. now on eBay. There are like plenty of stores that make their entire revenue off of selling old Pokemon stickers. It's like magic yeah. cards and shit. Like people fucking flipping magic cards, making mm-hmm. hella money. Dude, I'm making like, hella money. It's yeah. ridiculous. So whatever it is that you like, there's a way to make money off of it. Damn, that's just, that's deep right there. Because yeah. <laughs> I know there's a guy out here. He flips Supreme gear. Bro, he has a fucking beautiful store. Yeah. Like, and he's killing. Wait, it. wait. He flips Supreme gear. Yeah. Like he's like, like he's a... selling like that Louis Vuitton Supreme shirt for like five thousand. <laughs> Yeah, it sells. So, funny thing, uh, Danny's parents, they were in insurance for the longest time, but now recently, like in the past year or two, um, they've sold the insurance business and just kind of did their own thing, like separately. And Danny's mom loves fashion, and she loves to thrift, too. So, she'll scour eBay, scour, like, thrift shops and stuff around town and just Mm -hmm. find, like, really nice items that have been just ended up there. It's dead stock now. Yeah, dead stock now, but she'll take it spruce it up fix it up or whatever and then flip it on ebay for like five times the price yeah just last year i think she sold a louis vuitton jacket leather jacket that was from the 90s or something that she found at goodwill for like ten dollars she took it home fixed it up sold it for like 1500 was it real yeah it was real yeah dude like there's a way to do anything Anything. there's no excuses there's no excuses right now i mean even even like like not even talking about hustling like that yeah but let's just say if you if you don't have a job but you want to make money dude go get uber go get lyft go get postmates go like there's so many apps even if you don't have a car yeah there's apps that'll let you take on side gigs like literally fix somebody's kitchen or fix somebody's car whatever it is and they pay you out of pocket yeah like my brother was showing me the app he's like dude somebody wants me to take this mattress from like like three streets over for 50 bucks yeah i'm like i can do it yeah that's like lunch for like three or four days you know like, yeah fucking do it whatever it is you need to do go and fucking do it yeah like our friend tony so the, the core four of us um that started uh, uh making our own videos on ismok before melissa came was me danny tony and noel mm-hmm. and tony and noel they uh, Noel still has a day job, but he's working on, you know, quitting his job to just do this full time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony recently just quit his job, uh, his day job, and is literally just freelance right now. And he and to hold him over, he just did Lyft and Uber like yep. in between. And that mm-hmm. held him up. Wait, so then let me ask you, because that was going to be one of my upcoming yeah. questions is, do you think somebody who's trying to produce, uh, trying to have a, a career in the arts, whether yeah. it's, you know, their YouTube channel or just doing freelance full-time should they work up to it or do you think anybody can literally just stop what they're doing right now and go do it i can't speak for everyone's circumstances but what i can tell you is that when the time is right you're not going to know it Mm -hmm. like you're not going to know it so the best thing to do is just to do it right now yeah like for example uh danny he worked at apple he worked at apple for like seven years and he only quit five months ago damn to do like We've been running Ismahawk since like 2010. Right. He just quit his day job five months ago. Dang. And you never know when the time is going to come 
uh, to quit your day job and just start doing this full time, the only way to do it is to just do it mm-hmm. and not know, not have a plan because, and not have a plan as in like, oh yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do now, but like, you know that you want to be an artist or you want to do this uh, with your life or you want this to be your career. So you have a direction. You just don't have the steps to get there quite yet. And you'll get to a point eventually as you're working on your art or whatever it is you're trying to do where you see the path more clearly. Like the street is still dark, but you see at least, you know, the street lights down there and you're like, okay, maybe I'll head in that direction. But right now you don't know what's in between the darkness. And so mm-hmm. you have to just take the jump with Tony or with Danny. He asked me, should I quit my job right now? And I told him, what, do you want to work at Apple for the rest of your life? And just kind of stood there for a sex thing. All right. Next day he quit. Dang. Yeah. And with Tony, uh, he was also at Apple. And for the longest time, because he has a family now, he has um, a baby to take care of. So that's like a little different different situation, but still the same concept. Because he'd been working at Apple, saving up money, doing Ismahawk stuff with us, like on the side. Um because he was working full time, but then eventually got to a point where he's just not happy at his job anymore, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, is he like a camera op?" Uh, no, he's acting. He's primarily an actor, but he's ading on our sets right now. Okay. Um, but there came a time where he was he he didn't realize, and we all saw it too, where he was just unhappy and just stressed out all the time. Yeah. And just one day, uh. Under weird circumstances, he left his job and he he was forced to leave his job and never looked back. And that was like two or three months ago, and yeah. he's doing fine right now. Like it's that fight, fight or flight, right? Yeah, exactly. That, like that, if that you know, burned. like you know what you want to do, you know where you want to go. So just quit your job, and like you're forced to do it now. Like you you have no excuse. You're not like oh I still need to save up or I don't have enough money or stuff like that and yeah. I don't know anyone else's circumstances but like strictly speaking from my perspective what we've experienced in our group in Ismahawk, like if you force yourself and just take away what your safety net is, you're forced to do whatever it is you need to do. Yeah. And that is the most refreshing thing ever because like I said, the biggest hurdle from before was like just keeping consistency up mm-hmm. and you if you take away the safety net now you're like oh shit now i have to do this to you know keep yeah. consistent you know and that fight or flight response is refreshing in both mind and body because now you're like oh wow i can do it i just didn't know i could do it before mm-hmm. you know it's especially if you're if you're unhappy mm-hmm. with your current job because that's another whole nother mental psychological thing that can yeah. weigh down on you and even eat away at your creativity yeah, yeah it could um, be even worse staying yeah. there you know like because we we always we say this on this podcast we both have jobs right now full-time jobs mm-hmm. but it's also like our full-time jobs they don't they don't stress us out mm-hmm. and they're not um taxing on the, it allows us to have a schedule that we can stay consistent to with as far as our freelance also mm-hmm. goes but also this podcast we do them at night so it's like Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah, we have we have the time to do it. They're not hindering to what we to the stuff that we're doing outside. Yeah. Could I be doing more freelance? Sure, if mm-hmm. I was available at you know eight, nine, ten in the morning. However, the majority of a bulk of both of our work falls outside of those times. Yeah. So I I also say is if it's not if it's not mentally depressing you, mm-hmm. I mean 
make it work how you're gonna make it work but also yeah. like 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 i said if if freelance is what you want to do full-time if you want to be a working professional yeah, you, you want to be out there you have to make that jump eventually mm -hmm. because that's the only way you start getting more jobs is by being consistent and working with people yeah. who are currently getting those jobs yeah all the opportunities opportunities that are going to come your way once you like just focus full-time on what it is you're trying to creatively do yeah you don't see it right now like yeah before Danny quit his job, he was like, okay, how are we going to sustain Ismok? And then right after he quit, like there, he had no safety net, but all of a sudden everything just started lining up. Like we got the gig from screw attack mm. for Nightwing versus daredevil, a video that we've been wanting to do since Nightwing, the series, like yeah. four years ago. It, it's kind of like the, the, the law of attraction too, right? Yeah. The more you're in it, the more you, the more things from that industry yeah. tend to gravitate towards you. Right. Yeah. Um, the more you're available, the more more the more work days that you can be filming stuff till two yeah. three in the morning, you start building these relationships. The more you're gonna be in it, and the more gigs you're gonna you know start. Oh getting. yeah, because dude, as a working professional and as a freelancer, you need to dedicate a hundred percent of your time to your career. Yeah, and any time taken away from that is time that you could be working. Yeah, or like forwarding yourself. You know. Well, let, let me ask you this then: How do you how do you separate your work life, your freelance life mm -hmm. from your personal life. Is there, is if for you, is there a cutoff time where you're like, okay, well, after nine o'clock, I'm not going to e answer emails or, so, you know, how does that work? That's an interesting question because, um, I was actually talking to this, uh, with Nico from Corridor Digital and, mm -hmm. um, they work off of office hours. Like he personally, uh, after a while of just working on Corridor Digital for a few years, he, um, he was burning out. And at some point you are going to burn out. Mm -hmm. Like that happens to everyone, no mm -hmm. matter who you are. And so for him, his solution was to have a cutoff time after 7 PM. He just uh, leaves everything and goes home and just you know, has a normal life. Yeah. And he tells himself if he didn't get the work done that he needed to get done that day by 7 PM, then that's on him, not on you know the circumstances. That's mm -hmm. kind of tight. So that's one mindset for me. I really have no, like, boundaries you're, 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 you're constantly in the in the work yeah i'm constantly in the work especially since our studio and our workspace is the house itself it's a home oh, office yeah so like i live my life as work yeah which i don't recommend to everyone and that might not be your situation you know yeah definitely you need to have a, some level of restraint right yeah because i'm and i was talking to this wedding cinematographer rob adams um and he he does he does high-end cinematography in mm -hmm. new jersey like wedding stuff mm -hmm. um and he used to work out of his home um but he doesn't recommend it to everybody because mm -hmm. you know what time do you start working yeah. what time do you go to sleep how when, when are your breaks if you're literally your couch and your desk are right next to each other yeah who's to tell you you're not gonna sit down on the couch exactly. and start watching tv for three hours straight mm -hmm. it's your home you know what i mean yeah. so it's like there's definitely like a whole psychology behind it i mean you've obviously mastered it because you guys are you guys are killing it <laughs> we've done it for a while so yeah. we've yeah. had time to like fit iron it out but like like for everyone else, it takes time to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. You know? And home office, like as of right now for us, it works because of the way that our team is laid out and the way that we collaborate. But it doesn't work for the film side of things because all of our gear and our stuff is in a house. Yeah. And we, we're constantly running into space issues. We're actually going to move out soon. And to, to a studio or a bigger house? Bigger house probably because... Like I said, our situation works well with a home office as of this moment. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually we'll get a studio. Like, because to be able to separate film and freelancing from your normal life, that's awesome. But for me, like, and awesome for everyone else on the team too, because they all have, you know, their lives. But for me, like, my mindset personally is always just, oh, I live in this world now, you yeah. know? So yeah. I have to be absorbed in it. 
it's kind of like i mean it's a terrible analogy but it's like learning a new language you know you immerse yourself in it yeah to mm-hmm. learn it and so i don't know where i heard it like if you move to a new country with no background on the, on the language it would take they, they, it was a certain amount of time like it's it takes you yeah it's x faster. amount of months for you to become like a novice in it but yeah. if you really want to become an expert you got to immerse yourself for like a year or two yeah and you'll know you'll know the language exactly like you can only read so many books and you know just do it you know on your time but mm-hmm. then if you immerse yourself and throw yourself in that world you're gonna be thinking in that mindset a hundred percent of the time and yeah. for us, like, and with Isma Hawk's whole, I guess, workflow and philosophy is like, we're always trying to better ourselves and our work and our career is like who we are, you know? Yeah. Like it's so intertwined and connected with us that it's hard for us to separate it at this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's Wait, so, definitely an interesting balance. So, so you've been working on Isma Hawk and freelance for how long now as far as like when was the last job you had like nine to five job my last day job was at planet hollywood and i left in 2012 oh wow so you know 2013 you've been at it for a minute then and then you were just doing freelance after that yeah and it's my hawk dude it's funny because uh when i was at planet hollywood the the people there are great but the actual like job and you know the whole organization itself sucks ass um <laughs> you heard it here first guys <laughs> but specifically like when i was working there i was like just making mad money because valleys make a lot of money um mm-hmm. and so i got sucked into it for a bit just do just working as a valet and i was 19 at the time and i was like fuck yeah i'm making a shit ton of money i'm gonna like you're like i'm sad i'm finally like getting the stuff that i want to get like i've been wanting to get for a while and but so so was it your job that allowed you to buy your like your camera and all that oh stuff? no not at all no? i blew all that money on stupid stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> were you were you like the sneakerhead and you were like oh no uh, you know? i was buying like games games clothes oh. um taco bell yeah taco bell like just eating out nice mm-hmm. i guess um yeah it was dumb also paying for classes because i was still going to unlv at the time yeah and Dude, it was madness. And I've got I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I don't really give a fuck about this job. Like, I just want to focus on making cuz at around that time we started making videos for the channel. Mm-hmm. And so the more videos we made, the more I was like, I really like doing this. I don't think of it as work at all. Yeah. This is viable. And then came out with our Nightwing video. Uh then we did the Kickstarter and started doing uh, Nightwing the series. And when we did the Kickstarter, I was like, you know what? This is actually like we're actually doing this because I had to take a moment and step back and like look at what we've done so far. Because, you know, when you're the one doing it, you're in your own head and you're like, "Fuck, I need to get better. I need to do this better. I need to get to the next step." Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just need to take a moment and take a step back and see what you have already done. You're like, "Oh wow, we actually did a lot." And it was at that moment where I was like, "You know what? Maybe a career in film is viable." Because yeah. all my life, growing up, I hear like, "Oh, you're never gonna make money as an artist," or you know whatever you do in the creative field, like fine arts and stuff like that. Yeah. That's not a solid, reliable gig. And then at that moment, I was like, maybe I don't need a safety net. I don't need reliability. I don't need consistency in... Well, and it also comes down to a point where you minimize your expenses, right? Yeah. Like you have to like, you know, if you have a $800 a month car payment, yeah. $1,500 in student loans, $1,000 rent. Yeah. For sure, think about it before you <laughs> before you jump into oh, that yeah. world. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But, but if because you, you but can't if, just like... This is speaking in a perspective of like, oh, yeah, you've already been working. You're, like, you're constantly working at your right. what it is you want to do and right. you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, 
if you really don't know what you want to do and you have no plan and you just straight up quit your job because you don't like it, now that's you know that's yeah. not hopefully what have I'm a lot of money about. saved up. Yeah, I hopefully mean, you yeah. do have a lot of money saved up. But like speaking from our perspective, where we know what we want to do and we already see the path. Yep. Like it, it's clear to us that you know we can't just waste our time doing stuff that doesn't contribute to that. You know. Yeah. And at Planet Hollywood. I got to that point where I was like, you know, I don't really like doing it. Like going, coming to this job is a chore. Going to make videos, even though it's like 10 times the fucking work yeah. and doing it for free. I'm like, this is like what I want to do. It, it's, so it's, it's crazy that you mentioned that because there are like, I've been in, in the, and in, in I've, I've done gigs mm-hmm. where I'll do like a, you know, 10, 12 hour shoot, bro. My body's aching at the end of the day. Like I'm tired, mm-hmm. but I love it so much. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? As opposed to good. when I, if I go to you my job, if I go to my job after three, four hours, I'm like, eh. Like I'm already <laughs> you know looking I mean? at the clock at 15. I'm yeah. like, is it time? Yeah. Yeah. So like, and it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no like measure as far as like how much physical strength yeah. or, or, or exhaustion that my body gets from it. Yeah. But bro, like I can, I can work 12 hours doing something I love Dude. and, and then an hour or two at some that i don't like to do i'll notice that more you know and, and yeah. i won't want to do that as much dude it's mindset it's all yeah. mindset and sometimes we don't see the circumstances like i said at planet hollywood i got fired from there and i was let go and i was like you know what i don't ever want to fucking work a day job again i hate day jobs yeah and i only had two uh right out of high school i had best buy and planet hollywood and after those two i was like you know what fuck day jobs i hate working for someone yeah, that's tight and from Wait. then on i was just freelance i just like i had enough saved up where I could last a while and I just started trying to shoot more, uh, getting my name out there, like telling people, hey, do you need someone to shoot something? You know? And yeah. just started working from there. And well, then the, I, I, have to, back. I have to ask then, what, what was your, what was the best car you ever drove as a valet? Best car or favorite car? Favorite car. Favorite car? Um, I'd say it's still the Audi R8. That's my favorite car to Seems drive. Seems to be a popular car. It is Audi. a very popular car, and I specifically like that one. I like driving a lot, and that, um, and that one was just a really nice driving experience. All the other cars, they're so fun, but like as just a basic driver, I really like the Audi R8. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, being a valet, you drive almost every single model out there, and I got to test drive a lot of cars. <laughs> it was Damn. fun, fun as fuck, and a lot of famous people coming too because it's vegas you know yeah. yeah i have noticed uh because my dad works at like the encore things like that mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of celebrities that come stay at these hotels but they'll use a different name oh yeah but then yeah. it'll have like in parentheses their actual name you know yeah. <laughs> so what's the point <laughs> well no no it's for the staff so yeah. the staff knows oh morgan freeman's thing but if somebody was to look up the directory oh, yeah. and ask for morgan freeman they're like oh there's nobody here by yeah. that name you know what i mean yeah That's yeah. Funny. yeah britney spears always took the the back uh like entrance isn't britney spears like the biggest paid uh performer here in vegas right now i think she or is. like she has like the biggest contract or residency like they're paying her the most amount oh yeah right now she is she's That's super crazy. nice by the she way she drives me super, crazy super nice. <laughs> she's dope i used to, um, I used to uh i used to, I used to like the uh the whole jean jacket thing that her and justin timberlake would do hell Did yeah i used to, i remember this full the, denim everything <laughs> yeah is that when you had the hell ramen yeah. hair yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was That's like just, what for the Grammys or something. Yeah. Way back in the day. Yeah, I remember it used, to be, it used to be a Disney Channel show, and she appeared as a mm-hmm. guest star one time, and I was like, oh, "She's big now." Yeah, because I was watching Disney Channel. Damn, but, uh, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, uh, real quick, bringing back to the day job. Like sometimes you don't see your circumstance, and I was fired, and I w- it was at that point where I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need a day job anymore. Like I don't want to do this. So that was like the wake up call. Yeah. With Tony at Apple, like he was let go from Apple. 
up under weird circumstances. And it was at that point, like if you have a family that you have to take care of and like a baby to take, to raise, like you're not going to be thinking, Oh yeah, I'm going to leave my day job to do mm-hmm. this, but he was let go. So that he had no choice. And he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do this hundred percent, like 110% all That's the way so in. Mm-hmm. So that forced him to do it. And now he's doing it. You it's know? funny. Cause I've always waited for that moment. Like, man, just get rid of me. Just, fire me just, he, you know per- he purposely like watching waiting, the work like, like knocking things over <laughs> what you gonna do <laughs> they, they just keep raising my pay keeping me the non-play <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about See, the uh, it's all about the game if he's raising your pay save them and get the stuff that you need to do with your job oh yeah 100 yeah. 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 exactly. percent. that's all like, we do Every, play the game all the money that we make goes into literally investing either ourselves or other things that can yeah be investments exactly. oh i know the feel yeah. camera equipment is Hell expensive. Oh, and I love camera equipment so much. Yeah. Like I was playing with the GoPro 7. Mm-hmm. I was like, Damn. Was it the 7? Like you just came out or the 6? Yeah. No, seven the 7. Just came out. I was like just walking around. I was like, yo, it's so smooth. This is crazy. Oh, yeah. The stabilization is awesome. Have you had time to play with the 7? Uh, Not too much. I got to see it. Um, a little bit because I think Rob, Rob had yeah Rob always got everything <laughs> yeah, Rob, Rob, yo, see, shout out to Rob man Rob is on another level see I'm trying like because he is purely just freelance but I'm like and for himself too like yeah. so that's just him we have to like hold up an entire team of people and yeah. like run our company and then I freelance on the side like my freelance is not like my main gig freelancing is just oh a little side thing Ismahog is like my full time job yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's a weird perspective, especially. But that's kind of tight, you know. It's but, 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 but you and Rob work together on a lot of projects, right? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, I work on his stuff. He works on my stuff. He works on Ismahawk stuff too. When he has time, he's always busy. He's always working, and that's the thing. Like, dude, he, man, Rob is on another level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ever since I, I first met him, because I think I met him at the Red event that happened at the Red Bar, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is. Watching all his stuff yeah. and just the the kind of work that he puts out, you can tell he's very dedicated. He's like he Gary V work. At yeah, the, you know where he just loves to do this shit. Oh like, yeah, he's just in Dude, it. We learn from know? each other all the time. Like he'll learn on our sets, and I'll learn on his. Let's sets. talk about the innovative card though. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I'm gonna get one in a couple months. Oh yeah, so. yeah, I'll get it. Do I'm still. It's doing... funny because he Rob gets all the stuff first but he usually gets the stuff that I tell him about yeah. like I'm like yeah. oh dude I want to get this or I want to get that it's, it's secretly like uh, bro test it out for me real quick before, <laughs> yeah dude before really honestly like because <laughs> if anything that Rob gets like I get to use it eventually yeah. so I'm like hell yeah get that man because I want to use it yeah I was like <laughs> I want to try that easy rig thing so bad yeah like the Oh, yeah. the camera that shit looks so Just tight hang out with Rob you know, yeah, you try he's like come through I was like hell yeah I'm gonna come through <laughs> it's funny cause he's always posting like on his Instagram like all yeah. the stuff that he buys mm-hmm. and I'm always like yo bro hit me with that affiliate link I'm about to buy it too yeah. <laughs> dude it's fucking hilarious uh, it's also cool because he gets to test all the new stuff out first and then when I actually get to save up enough money to get the thing that I want, I buy the newer version yeah, of what a newer he has version. <laughs> yeah so it's like beta testing you know thanks yeah. Rob <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Rob, Rob Chato, man. If you guys haven't watched his episode, I believe he's episode... 25. On it. 20, 20, 26. 20 or 20? 26 or 20, 27. 27. One of those two. <laughs> We're on episode 38 now, bro. Can yeah, you believe man. it? 38? 38, yeah. and we started in July. 4th of July. Oh. Yeah. 4th of July. 4th of July. That was Wait, three 30... months ago. Oh, wow. Man, you guys are going hard. Bro, I don't know if you're the same way, but... 
And I don't know, you're kind of the same way, right? Do you have like an addictive personality? I just love, I love working. I love yeah. keeping Whenever my you, mind stimulated. Yeah. I know that sounds terrible. Like you should meditate. And I do when I'm in the shower. I'll do my little meditation. Yeah. But yeah, I love working. Yeah. I can't yeah. sit still. That's what we do all the time. That's the mindset we we live in. I kind of burned myself out with with the. I started a YouTube channel on my own, like for my photography, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, and I did ten, I did ten videos in that first month. After that, I was just burned out, bro. I think yeah. I, I think I did like maybe yeah, two dude. more. In, in, dude, and, and that's the issue right now. And YouTube is just not helping at all. Yeah. Like your content, unless you pay for your advertisements, yeah. like your dude, you don't realize how. Like the attitude towards YouTube right now in the community, because because oh, yeah. we're deep in the YouTube commu- community too, yeah, and so anytime we're at it. these conventions and whenever we hang out and talk with people who have other channels mm-hmm. and like massively successful channels too, all of them are so like jaded, yeah, jaded and burnt out because it's just so much work for like such little return at this point, yeah, like monetary return to help support yourself. No, um, is, is that because they've cut down the amount they pay out, or how, how does that work? No, so because Chuck you, and I are looking at it from an outside the fence kind of thing. Yeah, we've seen like big YouTubers talk crap about yeah. how YouTube, the yeah. YouTube platform, this you, or that. But we you don't. You guys know. want the workflow because we know everything about YouTube. Really, oh, man. Well, not everything, but like yeah. we know like how it works because we do it. You yeah. know. Um, if you think of it like this, Google is the company that owns YouTube, yeah. and they have a budget every single year, every fiscal year, to pay out for advertisers, mm-hmm. and they have a certain pool. So let's say this year. For fiscal year 2018, they have um, $11 billion to pay out in ad revenue. Well, that's a lot of money if there were only 1,000 channels. Yeah. But there are so many channels now that qualify for ad revenue that Mm -hmm. you split up a big sum to a whole bunch of different channels, and now you're left with a smaller amount. And that's why. Plus, PewDiePie gets about 50% of it, right? (laughs) Which also is why. Twitch. Uh, YouTube introduced the new requirements for yeah, you know, yeah. getting your channel. Yeah, uh, it makes it friendly. makes sense though, because when you really think about it, those requirements are not much. No, they're not yeah. at all. The any like anyone, if you stay consistent, yeah. can hit them. Dude, you know? yeah. we're, we're working our way towards. And that's it, why, yeah, yeah. dude, yeah. slowly. This is yeah. why like consistency is key. Like it doesn't matter if you you're not making the numbers that you want to make, as long as you're growing and staying consistent. Yeah, things will come because. Um, when YouTube introduced the new uh, regulations and, you know, the new requirements for the channels for ad revenue and um, uh, getting your channel monetized, it angered a lot of people. And But everyone in the community was like, yeah, this is like real stuff because if you're not keeping up, then you don't deserve to be in the program either because we all had to work because we all got monetized before they introduced that, you know, how easy it was to just sign up to be monetized. Yeah, know? so are you gran- your grandfathered in? Yeah, we were grandfathered in. Um nice. Yeah, thank God. Nice. Is this wood? I don't know if it's wood. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ikea, bro. It's Ikea. Well, it's wood inside. Yeah, yeah no, we're, we're, <laughs> where I, th- counts. I, I think we, I think our channel just hit a thousand hours. Nice. Of watch time. Hell yeah. Now, just mind keep you, it up. we literally started from zero subscribers three months ago. Yeah. I mean, we're at like what, 192? Are we? 93? Yeah. Are we really? Podcast definitely help subscribers. Man, I haven't even been looking. The reason we started this podcast is because we love podcasts. I listen to podcasts every day. Yeah. You know? Dude, and, just uh, keep it up. And this is like the fastest way to get your watch time up, guys, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> just is- podcasting and long-form content like uh, BTS, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, where you're just, people just put it on and leave it on because then that really pushes up your watch time. But it also kind of fucks you over sometimes because the YouTube's algorithm favors short-form videos where uh, you need to catch people's attention within the first five seconds yeah. um, and audience attention rates don't linger too long 
And so the shorter the video, like the more views you're going to get, which is what advertisers look at. But you also don't hit that watch time that you're looking for. That's the fine. way that you do podcasts. You Th- know, that's why we drop uh, micro content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. You know, you have that's an it. hour long, two hour podcast. You can make four or five, two, three minute videos out mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? Just kind of like showing people because like, let's just say somebody yeah. doesn't know anything about Ismaha, doesn't know anything about you. If we talk about pizza, what your favorite mm-hmm. kind of pizza is, and I make that a two-minute video, they go, shit, I, li- I love Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. Or, you know, pepperoni pizza. And that, yeah. Now they're yeah. going to go watch the full video. You know what I mean? By the way, uh, do you guys use TubeBuddy at all? Mm-hmm. What's that? Um, it's a plug-in for YouTube where you can – it helps you with your analytics and uh, shows you different tags and its popularity. I like, think I used vidIQ. vidIQ works yeah. really well, too. Like – Actually, TubeBuddy and VidIQ, I think they're competitors. And okay. if you're with VidIQ, like, that's fucking awesome. Well, I think I we're using VidIQ right now. I don't pay for anything, so I'll just get the there free version. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> VidIQ works perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, where were any we? Other, any other tips and tricks for yeah. YouTubers Upcoming out there? Upcoming YouTubers. Upcoming YouTubers, don't rely on YouTube. That's it. There you go. Yeah. So, you heard it here first. So, by the way, when you sent uh, me over, like, what you had for the bio for me and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and the way that it was explaining Ismahawk, so to clarify, Ismahawk is our production company. It's just we happen to upload a lot of our videos to YouTube as mm-hmm. a platform. And that's how you should look at YouTube, by the way. YouTube is just a distribution platform. It's not your career. It's not your like main source of income. Because even for us right now, uh, the numbers that we're pulling in from YouTube, like it's not enough to hold up and run a company. You say like YouTube is like 10, 20% of your overall income yeah something like that like yeah. it just like people tend to look at youtubers as you know the the source of income like oh i'm gonna be a big youtuber you know and yeah. saying the word youtuber like it honestly it's got a negative connotation now in the community but like youtube if you look at it as just a distribution platform a place where you can just put up your work mm-hmm. the the uh the money and everything else comes in from outside of youtube because yeah YouTube isn't the one paying you. It's the advertisers paying you. It's the brands that are paying you for yeah. content or or for the work or whatever it is you're doing. Um, That's why you always see these big these big YouTubers yeah. with like, yo, here's my Patreon, here's yeah. my website, here's my merch, because that's where ninety percent of the income's coming from. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. always like even Phil DeFranco. He has his DeFranco elite. Do you know who Phil DeFranco yeah, is? Of course. He has DeFranco elite. So he like everybody yeah, who's a hardcore. Oh, how how is he, man? Oh, he's super cool, super nice. Yeah. Very. He seems super genuine. Very smart, like not in a book smart way, but like a very perceptive. Yeah. Way. He seems yeah. like it for sure. Yeah, he's super super cool. Also, like it. It's funny. It's really eye-opening, honestly, because I'm pretty antisocial and introverted. All of your favorite major YouTubers, they're all introverted, too. Really? Yeah, like all of them. They're introverted and not, I wouldn't say antisocial, but like you know that they're not the kind of person to just go up to stage and, you know, say something, mm-hmm. you know, make a speech or just talk to people, you know? Because yeah. they do this and they drew, drew attention to their channels because of what they do, not because they're people person yeah well they're talking to a camera at the end mm-hmm. of the day or yeah, they're exactly like they're in a close environment where it's not yeah. social with other people. pretty eye-opening honestly and some people are really good at acting because they put on like um there's this guy uh, andre black nerd comedy his channel is massive and on his channel he's the host of all the superhero like video content like talking to the camera and, and talking about you know superheroes and stuff yeah. like that Super animated, very loud, very exciting, very fun videos to watch. Met him in person, and he's like the most quiet, quiet person That's ever. Crazy. 
uh, we met him at a convention and he had to record something for his vlog. So he was like, his, dude, the, his mannerism, this is the biggest change I've ever seen. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Andre. And, yeah. And uh, you mind if I just record something for my video real quick? Yeah, sure. Go go ahead, man. Turns around, turns on his camera and just completely transforms. Completely day and night. I'm like, what's Whoa. up, everybody? <laughs> what's up, everybody? What's up? <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> Leave a comment below. Let us know what you. Yeah, you. I mean, things. you. You seem pretty sociable, or you know, you don't seem like an introvert. I mean, that's the acting. <gasps> yeah. He's acting, bro. <laughs> I guess we it's gotta, like we got to pay him out for this. Yeah, I've always been I mean, introvert. We, like I do not like talking to people. I'm like me neither, man. Just, <laughs> We're oh. in this group together. You know, yeah, but like if you talk about like anime or games, yeah. I can talk on that all day long. But yeah, my, my, but, most, but it's not like my choice. Like you're going out to yeah, look not for a social talking, light. You know? you know, it's weird. It's. It's something that you're going to learn and something I you have, have to learn. You have to. Yeah, you have to. To build network. Uh, yeah, it's so, crazy. Real quick, you said Ismahawk is a production company. So does that mean you got, uh, guys also do like yes. things on so, the side? Yes, so in the last year, we've started like uh, freelancing as a – or not freelancing, but like as a production company, offer our services to uh, outside brands. And like, um, for example, the Nightwing versus Daredevil thing, that video isn't on our channel. It's on Smosh – uh not smart uh screw tax channel mm -hmm. um because they're the ones who commissioned us they're they hired us to make as ismahawk to make a video for their that's channel so, tight. so that's branded content um we also just came out like right after nightwing versus daredevil an assassin's creed video for smosh games um and that's like that just kind of shows the work that we as a company do like outside of just our channel because what we do is like action cinematography, visual effects, like just end to end, direct to client, like full video, whatever yeah, it is you want to do. Who does the VFX in the group? Um, Jeremy does. It's mostly Danny, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I do some of it. Like I'll jump in here and there to help out um, with a couple of shots, like depending on what it is, because we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Like Danny does 2D compositing and a lot of that stuff. I do 3D lighting and camera tracking yeah. melissa does um planar tracking and a lot of like motion graphic stuff oh nice so we all like kind of fill each other out. so it literally does take a team to make what you guys do oh, happen absolutely you I can think, never think, do this by I, yourself i was gonna <laughs> say one of the things that i wanted to talk about was kind of like how you need people outside of you. you can try to do everything on your own yeah but it always comes out better when you have multiple people working out who are absolutely. who are passionate about it yeah you know it's still important for you to know how to do all these other yeah. things too because you need to be able to know how to talk to your team about yeah. doing yeah, this sure. stuff i mean i know how to make like two and a half d photos and after effects <laughs> i know the basics there you yeah. go but if we're working on a project i'm giving it to chuck yeah <laughs> it's, it's the man right here dude like you just need to know like you need to practice um you don't need to be good at it you just need to know to the basics, know enough yeah you know yeah because like I'm, I'm pretty deep into visual effects myself just to understand the technical side of it so that I can incorporate into my cinematography because you need to shoot for visual effects. Exactly. And so with Danny, like, and Danny does the actual visual effects. So we talk to each other very fluently on how, like what certain things need to be like, you know, for us to complete this effect or like finish the video. Um, and that also goes into like what we do as a company because when people... Uh, like brands and other companies hit us up. It's like, hey, can you do a video? Like, we saw this video on your channel. Uh, they usually hit Danny out first because he's the face of the channel. Yeah. Um, they'll email him or like hit him up and be like, hey, can you make a video like this for our channel? And we have to explain to them, like, it's not just one person. Like, you have to hire the entire team if you want that result. Yeah. yeah. That's why Ismahawk itself, like us, is as a team, Ismahawk 
comes as a bundle. Like you, like any post house or like any uh, high end commercial effects like uh, um, studio, I guess, like does the same thing. Where if you're coming to us wanting a product. We're gonna give it to you. You just need to give us the budget and to like hire the entire team. You know, yeah, yeah. For like sure. you don't package out. You know, I mean that'd be weird because so, like it's I not know. an a la carte kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> no, nope, not a la carte. Agencies for sure. I want Jeremy that. to do this and yeah. this. We're definitely but not like this. starting to become a studio like agency itself. That's so tight. Man. That's dope, man. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. So what's next? Like, uh, what's your guys' like future goals right now? Um, just keep at it. Like staying consistent. Literally, like look toward. So. I don't know if I can say this. Don't say You guys it. should build a film school, dog. I mean, we're just trying to build a Are you uh, doing classes soon? <laughs> hey, no, man. You, you know people what? have been asking us that you for guys a should, long time. You guys should do a workshop, man. Yeah. You know? Charge it. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, definitely. Is... I mean, how many people out here that do video do you think want to It's funny because we were literally just talking about that yesterday, too. Um, oh, that's dope. One of our other ideas as a group, as uh, just to help out and like push us as filmmakers and help other filmmakers in the community is start holding our own 48 hour film festival. Ooh, yeah. So if you guys are down to just start doing 48. So I mean, we suck at everything we do, but yeah. we're down Dude, to, no, it's, it's a good learning experience for damn sure. That's all I can Dude. say. Yeah. 48. It's funny because every time we've done a 48 as a group, we've bonded, first of all, bonded a lot more and we've oh, yeah. gotten better every time. And 48s are, the key to like pushing yourself as a filmmaker to the if, limit yeah to the limit if you want to take it seriously like some people do a 48 just for fun because they want to you know just make something silly with their friends yeah but we take a 48 as a challenge every single time to like push what we can do in that amount of time and if you guys don't know what a 48 hour film challenge is it's um over the course of 48 hours over the weekend usually starts at friday 6 p.m and ends sunday 6 p.m uh, you go to a drawing where in a random bucket of like slips, you pick out a, um, a genre and on the board are set like requirements that need to be in your film, like a line of dialogue. Your film needs to contain the certain line of dialogue said by any character. Uh, you need to have a certain character and a certain prop in your thing. And a genre. They give you a genre too, right? Yeah. So you pick the genre. And okay. so everyone gets the same uh, like prop, line of dialogue, and But everybody's different genres. But everybody has different genres. And that's ha, how they spice it up. Yeah. We, we, so, we, did, we did one in 2013, 14? Yeah, a while back. Bro, that shit was hectic. Bro, hold on. So oh. let, me, let me just say this before. Let me to yeah. cut you off. But let me just say this. We went into it just going like, yo, let's just have fun with it. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't, bro, we were working like T, T2Is, T3Is, like back in the day. Like we didn't have any gear mm -hmm. really. And we didn't have any actors lined up. We didn't have, it was just me, him, and then two other guys. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Fernando yeah. and uh, Patrick. Yeah. Fernando and Patrick. Shout out Fernando and Patrick. Yeah. Bro. But I didn't know there were people who actually like had pre-production team. Like. Yeah. They already had everything like location oh, yeah. scouted. We're everything. at that point now. Yeah. See, I didn't know you could do yeah, that. Yeah. We literally I was, like, drove damn. around trying to find spots. <laughs> like, oh, that might work. Bro. We slept like. Yeah. Third, Dude, third, that's how we started out too. So like two hours. Because like when I first started out, I was doing that the ones at UNLV yeah. I've done me and Danny both have done I think 10 or 12 uh 48s so far Damn. and um every time we do it we get better and it's funny because when we first started out I literally just rented the school's equipment like the T2I and the, yeah. like just whatever I could get at the time and then we just shoot the shit and have fun see that that's the thing too is I feel like you you know a lot of people out here that do film right mm -hmm. do you think people have I mean how, how would somebody 
get started in making film film friends if they don't go to film school. You know what I mean? Like, cause when we were doing it, me and him were the only people we knew. We yeah. didn't we didn't even know there were actors out here. That yeah. were like, what what's a good resource? Uh, the forty eight hour <laughs> yeah, the forty eight hour film festival. Uh, Las Vegas holds one every year, and leading up to the festival itself. They have mixers where you can just hang out and talk to other people. Doesn't cost oh. anything. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything usually. And you just go and hang out with other people and just talk to the other teammates, you know, and you'll meet someone. There are plenty of uh, like local film, like in your local film community, I'm sure there's usually someone there who holds like mixers and stuff like that where you mm-hmm. can just go and hang out. Specifically here in Vegas, I know Indie Film Factory usually holds stuff like parties and and mixers where you can just go and talk to other creatives and professionals. Yeah, you know, I did in not the same know field. this. I know CS, CSN has like a, they have a film program too. And uh, they also have like yeah. a showing or like a, like a, it's kind of like a film festival, yeah, but like for, a showcase. It's, it's a showcase basically. And I think that's a kind of a good yeah, cause outlet to go to your showcases, go to like art festivals and stuff like that. Just hang out and start talking to people. Cause you're going to meet other creatives. What about Facebook, man? Facebook, Facebook. dude, I get like, those groups. I actually like get some jobs off of Facebook sometimes cause yeah. in the Facebook groups, like they'll ask, you know, is there a camera operator with this gear and, mm-hmm. at this day? And I was like, yeah, hit me up. Um, what about Instagram? Same. Yeah. Same Instagram. Same thing. Instagram. It's more for photographers, I think. And, uh, for cinematographers specifically, it's just a portfolio to showcase your work and not mm. to get jobs from. Photographers, I see a lot of photographers get jobs from their uh, stuff on Instagram. Yeah. Which is like a whole different industry and different market. Because cinematographers, like, it's, I don't know, it's a little different. And do, do you think a website is, is viable to somebody who's trying to oh, absolutely. freelance work? Dude. Any kind of website. Um, we specifically, as Ismahawk, don't have a website yet. We're still working on one. It mm-hmm. says under construction, but um, it's because our website is our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so if anyone asks, just send them to the YouTube mm-hmm. channel. That's still yeah. a website. It's online. Right. You, know? you have your URL forwarding yeah. to YouTube. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say I'm about to buy that domain right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, dude. Or, or like for my freelance stuff, it's just my Vimeo page. Specifically only because I'm a cinematographer. Like that's how that works. So do you like um, Vimeo because it's more cinematography? What is it? It's it's more like artistic people on there. Yeah, it's more uh, like more either. industry focused, like a lot more higher production value stuff. And it's just two sides of the same coin. It's whatever your platform is. That's yeah. why I say look at YouTube as a distribution platform because if that folds, like if YouTube tanks or like Google does some shit, yeah. like if y- all your stuff is on YouTube, then you're fucked, you know? Yo, man, YouTube's been kind of pushing it lately, bro. Have you been getting those, like, yo, do you want to sign up for YouTube yeah. Premium? Yeah, I mean, we already have it, Dude, but, you know. But I'm saying, like, for somebody yeah, who, they doesn't, definitely who isn't used to, bro, I get ads every day. I'm considering getting it now. Shout out to... Especially with all these political ads, bro. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I have to put on that blocker, yeah. but then I'll turn it off when I'm, like, watching a YouTuber I like. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you get some of my money. Or you get some <laughs> money. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, like YouTube yeah. has to chill out a little bit. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the uh, paintbrush because I, I heard you talk about with, about this with Rob mm-hmm. on his little uh, interview that he did on his YouTube channel. Yeah. You're talking about the paintbrush versus the painter. Yeah. For our listeners out there, can you explain why it's important? One, why one over the other would be more important? Um, the discussion about the painter and the paintbrush is like the to the painter, the paintbrush is just a tool. That, mm-hmm. that they use to make their art and it does and if you practice and have discipline and and focus 
you eventually get to a point where you don't need the nicest paintbrush out there to make your art. Like you can use anything, whatever it is, as your tool. Like the paintbrush is just tool. Like what you do as a person, as a creative, is what's going to end up in your art. And that's what people are going to see. Yeah. Because you don't go out, like watch a movie in, in theaters and then start asking, oh yeah, what camera was that shot? Or yeah. whatever. Well, like what if you're not, Yeah, exactly. Like no, no one is going to know that. And, you know, and no one cares. They go to the movie or watch the movie, you know? And so... You need to practice and better your storytelling and your creative art and not worry too much about like, oh, what you know lens am I going to get next? Or like, I can't shoot this until I get this camera, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Because when you put roadblocks, you stop yourself. From yeah, you're things. limiting. Yeah, exactly. Like a carpenter uses his hammer. You know, he doesn't need a specific hammer. He just makes whatever he wants to make. Yeah, he doesn't need no $10,000 hammer to start making <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, exactly. And it's funny yeah. because we always like tell people whenever someone asks us, hey, what's the best camera to get right now? Like, I'm, I'm trying to do this short, but I can't do it until I get a camera. I'm like, dude, just use your phone. You're typing on your phone, aren't you? There's a camera on your phone. Use that right now. Start blocking out shots figuring out your composition like don't even worry about the image quality just work on your composition and then work on your editing you know like you don't need a fancy camera to start editing you don't need a fancy computer either at this point like just edit on your phone you have your phone dude you can literally do anything on your phone yeah and even if you don't have a nice phone there's a thing called a library and the card is free and they're free computer use at libraries so like go to your library and you know look stuff up there's like online editors now you know yeah yeah i was gonna say because there's there's people who hit me up and 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 the conversation I was geared towards like, yo man, I can't wait to start doing video as soon as I can, you know, get yeah. a camera that does video and I have a computer to edit on. But you're te- you're saying Dude, these resources that's are out never there. gonna come yeah. if you don't actually just start doing it. Right. Because where do you think that's gonna come from? You know, where do you yeah. think the camera's gonna come from? You're not gonna get it until you actually start doing it. You know. Yeah. So you can't wait around. Just pick something up and start doing it. Yeah, because the other thing is, too, being hands-on is the best way to learn anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny because when I went to film school in UNLV, I had already learned everything I needed to learn from film school before I got to film school. So film school was just networking, pure networking, Uh and also getting that degree from my mom because I really wanted to get that for her. Uh But, like, in class, most of the time, like, I... I picked up some things here and there, but most of the stuff I learned on YouTube itself. For like sure. Other, the same here, other cinematographers taught me stuff, and they just started making videos. And I was like, you know, this is way more useful than, you know, whatever is being taught in school. Damn, dude. That's crazy. I, I was going to say, because uh, when I, whenever I go out shooting with, like, photos, portraits, yeah, bro, it doesn't matter how many photos I take with my camera, I will always whip out my iPhone and go, like, I wonder what I can make with this real quick. Yeah. Like, I wonder if I... Because I want to get to the point where I can literally say... Wherever I am at, if I don't have my camera, my yeah. $3,000 camera with the $2,000, if I don't have that on me, yeah. if I don't even have my phone, I can just grab your phone. Yeah. I can always create a dope shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's what people need to work on before they start getting technical mm-hmm. with it. Like the technical's nice. You definitely need to learn the technical sometimes, but also like don't let that hold you back. Yeah. And it doesn't take you owning that device to learn about that device. Yeah. Like I don't own an Alexa, but I work on a lot of Alexas and yeah. And I, like, I read up about it and I learn about it all the time. Like, just because I don't have that piece of gear doesn't mean I'm not going to read about it, you yeah. know? Yeah. It You can literally just go to anyone's website and download the manual yeah. and start reading, you know? And just watching YouTubes or uh, videos on YouTube, you know? And you learn that way. And when you learn that way, you start having a process and you start having a foundation in everything you do. Because 
I can take any camera, like you guys can take any camera and stuff like that and start making dope shots. Like it is because you have a foundation of how you create things already. And the camera is just a tool. Yeah. And and we also 100%. look at it. We also look at it things as like, no matter, no matter what level you're at, you're always learning too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do it. So don't, don't, don't ever think that you know everything already because there's always more to learn. There's always somebody out there who knows more than you and can always do better than oh, you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So and use once, that. Yeah. Always have that mindset. It humbles you yeah. and also like pushes you to better yourself. Like some people think of it that way and then they get down about it and like, oh, I can't do this because there's already so much like other better people out there. And that's not way to think. We're all in the same boat, you know? And same goes for YouTube, too, because the more we talk to all these other channels and all these other creators, like you realize the top channels are at the top because of the mindset that they have. We're yeah. all in the same boat, you know, and we all help each other out. Mm -hmm. The channels that die out fast and people who don't have a lasting career are the toxic people who mm -hmm. think it's a competition. We're trying to build everything off of shock value and yeah, fakeness. Exactly. Like, Crazy. like I said, we, there's a handful of other superhero fight channels on YouTube, but all like the ones that are really big and successful and we work together are like really cool people. Mm -hmm. Like the, that other channels that aren't so nice, they've started to just fade away, you know? Yeah. That's how it is. Damn, that's, that's knowledge right there. Yeah. That's real. Be Wait. nice. Stay humble. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> do, do you, Keep do learning. You, so you, outside of Ismahawk, you do freelance, right? Yes. Do you have any freelance nightmares? Freelance nightmares. Yeah. I don't know if you heard Rob's about the wedding he, he did. With the balloons. Which, it Which... was the balloons, the ones where the helium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he told me about that. Yeah, bro. Um, we, were, we were cracking up. Yeah, that's that was crazy. such a unique, hmm. one-of-a-kind experience, yeah. bro. I never, I mean, because I've had, I've had some pretty bad stories, but like, that was just wow. Yeah, that client was just, oof. <laughs> Damn. IQ, yeah. nothing. And we can always circle back to it. Have you ever heard of a website called uh, clientsfromhell.net? Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's hilarious. I didn't even know they had a podcast. They do? Yeah. Oh, my God. They I have didn't... a podcast. Huh. Yeah, and they talk about them. I'm like, that. that's that's so dope. That's a brand that's in itself, cool. man. I mean, uh, I, don't, I can't really think of any, like, freelance nightmares that really just fuck me over. Dang, I feel like you'd have a thousand of them. Yeah. What about any gigs, just in I general? Mean, I have a lot of, like, I've had a lot of bad gigs, but, like, I tend to not remember them because I just block it out of my mind. Yeah. Like, that's, because that's, that's usually my mindset. Like, I don't try to dwell on things. Yeah. And if um, I get on set and I'm like, oh, you're one of those clients. Okay. I just take it real chill and real laid back and whatever they want, dude, you're paying for it. So I'm just going to do my minimum at whatever it is you want it to look like, you know? Yeah whatever it is you're looking for. Cause, I, I feel like that's not, one of the things too that a lot of people get upset with, even when, not even just from clients, but like whenever you're working a job, people mm -hmm. get too emotionally attached to it. Yeah. And it's something that I've noticed is like kind of like a recurring theme is a lot of people, they work a job, they get stressed out and they take that stress home and it ruins their whole day, right? Yeah. As opposed to just like, well, just know that when you go there, you're working to build somebody else's vision. You're working for, they're literally paying for your yeah. time. Do not get personal with it. Exactly. So, and that's just freelancing in general. Yeah. Um, you're always going to get that. And it's we're lucky as Ismahawk in a way where all of our um, branded content stuff and our freelancing is... Uh, what you guys you, love to do. Yeah, it's what we love to do. And it's like working with people that we already know are cool or like they, they're really fun to work with. Yeah. Um, freelancing just as a cinematographer, that's a whole different story. Cause like anyone can just hit you up and be like, Hey, can you work this gig real quick? And it's just, okay, I'm here. Just 
press record and let's go home. That's it. Don't do, stress about it. Do Do you think there's any underused or underutilized either social media platforms or apps for creatives out there that are not being utilized or, you know? Um, that's hard to say, I'm man. I'm hitting I, you with that real question right here. <laughs> not that I can think of right now. Like, usually when new apps and platforms pop up, like, I'll wait for other people to try it out first for yeah. them to try out. Well, it's, since you work in a collaborative environment with, with Ismahawk, yeah. do you guys, do you guys use Premiere? Do you guys use uh, Final we, Cut? We use Premiere. Um, we're transitioning to uh, Resolve. Oh, okay. Resolve. Cause yeah. I like, I haven't touched Premiere in a while now, yeah. honestly, cause all my stuff has been in uh, Resolve cause I color grade all my stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it Resolve and, has a full. Yeah. It has a full editing, editing suite, suite now. And so when I saw that, dude, it, it is so much more stable now and yeah. it just needs a couple of more like big features that need refining. But after the next version, I imagine yeah. it'll be like real solid for editing. I think the last time I, I used resolve was when it was just color grading. Yeah. There wasn't ed an editor built into it. Yeah. But, uh, I was, the reason I was, was going to ask if you guys use premiere was because there's, you ever heard of the, 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 the app or the plugin for premiere that allows you to work with other people. What is it called? It's got like a purple logo or blue logo. I know Film Riot uses it where they can basically like take an edit, make notes, and send somebody the file. Oh, Frame.io? Frame.io. Yeah. Have you ever used that? Yeah. We use it for client review all the time. Okay. Uh, Frame.io, and now it's funny because Frame.io had integration with Vimeo, and then Vimeo, or Frame.io left Vimeo, and Vimeo just took all those ideas and made their own version of it mm. for Vimeo Pro. Oh, Which wow. is kind of a shitty way, like shitty business deal, but like that's where the industry is going now. I've been so. hearing a lot of. A lot of bad stuff about Vimeo lately, and especially from like Jacob know, Owens. Man. Jacob Owens says that they deleted his channel or something, or like a lot, they've been deleting a lot of channels. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah, um, no, I, don't I don't know, know if it's deleted, like copyright. is that copyright thing, though maybe. I don't know. Like, I haven't dove into that, so I, I just love Vimeo because things. there's some fucking beast on there. Oh yeah, there's like, so much good that stuff. That and Behance, those are my places mm -hmm. I go for. Like, so one of my favorite things to do is if I see a really good video somewhere, I'll look up the credits and then just search it on Vimeo. Yeah. And the, yeah. that person will usually have their own channel, and their channel usually has a real like a lot of really good content that I can learn from and just stuff that yeah. I can watch. You know. Have you seen the the, the newest Annabelle creation movie? Yes, yeah. I I you know didn't the see director? the whole thing, but um. I saw the clips from it. It looks really cool. The director st got his start in Vimeo. Like mm -hmm. he was making shorts. Yeah. You know, and it was like yeah. just him and um, his wife, I think. I have a couple of friends who uploaded some uh, shorts to YouTube as like spec commercials and stuff like that. And they've yeah. gotten like deals from Warner Brothers and like Lionsgate Damn. and stuff like that from there you go from just stuff like that. Yeah. We actually we actually do have a couple questions from Instagram. Yeah. What is if it? you think you're ready to answer. Yeah, let's go. Uh, Joe Snapped, at Joe Snap wants to know, how long have you been filming for and what are your goals as a filmmaker? I've been filming since 2010. So eight years now? Mm -hmm. Nah, I'd say 2011. Let's say like seriously, not just playing around. Um, so yeah, seven years. And I always give myself that wiggle room. I yeah. got a camera in 2010, but I didn't really start making yeah. films till. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I Same say here, it was seven years. Nice. Yeah. Seven years. Tight. There you go. And what are your goals as a as a filmmaker? Um, just keep creating. Like I literally stay consistent. Yeah, stay consistent and keep filming. That's my goals. Like, not not have to go back to a job. Yeah, like I don't really have a plan outside of this because when we jumped into this company and. 
just started doing stuff, we literally just started doing stuff. And if something doesn't work out, we'll try something else. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say, um, when you go into something like that, it's always good to make that your 100%. Because there's this, there's this quote that from Will Smith that says, uh, there's no reason to have a plan B because a plan B distracts from your plan A. Yep. Do you believe in that? Damn. Oh, absolutely. Dude, Will he, Smith is actually all of our like biggest inspirations Like go. whenever he says anything. I feel and like now that he has his own YouTube channel, bro, dude, we're going to try and hit him up. Isn't that crazy, bro? We'll try to get him. Do, do you know uh, Colin and Samir yes. on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I found out about them maybe like a year and a half ago when they first started their channel, bro. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the kind of stuff they're doing now. Oh, Cause yeah. they've been, and, and the crazy thing was is at first they weren't even consistent with it. Like they, they, I think they uploaded for like two or three months straight and did like a six month break, but then they came back hard with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like super hard. So just like a word of advice to everybody out there, you can always start and stop, but there don't let that discourage you from going back into it and doing it full force and really just, mm-hmm. you know, taking it, taking, grabbing the bull by its horns, I guess. Yeah. Dude, yeah. plan B always distracts from plan A. There you go. You guys heard it here. Don't first. have a safety net. Everyone at, thinks that they need a safety net, but you're just psyching yourself out. At underscore achiever two, three, three, two wants to know where do you usually find your talent? Diddum. Talent what do you mean? Like, like your talent, like your actors, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Where yeah. do we find our talent? Um, We usually put our, like, people we know in it. Like, some roles, like, we'll need to audition for. Like, we'll put Is up a, a casting Craig- call. Is that a Craigslist ad? Uh, we don't do Craigslist. We usually do Facebook. God, I don't um, think anybody does Craigslist anymore, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten such a bad rap for it. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a little sketch now, yeah. honestly. But it's usually... So... All of us at Ismahawk, we're a pretty diverse group and we're all minorities. And when we started making videos, we made videos because we wanted to change Hollywood, you know, and yeah. like change the industry. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is such a big like goal or idea, but it's starting to work apparently. It's it's changing things a bit and and especially the YouTube space. But we started YouTube because, you know, Hollywood is very whitewashed very whitewashed very now when you and say so, that and, so, and like stereotypical not i wouldn't just straight up call it racist but it's definitely like, why are you putting a white dude for an asian role <laughs> i don't that know is man so weird I'm it's like... it's all business and we understand yeah. that too because so here's another important note it's always always if you're in film it's always business or industry versus artistry then that's the two jackie chan for any Asian. Dude, like. it's always artistry and industry. And and Hollywood is an industry, you know? And so it has to think in terms of a business. And I get that. I understand it. Because, you know, when you're starting out, oh, I just want to do creative stuff. Dude, you're going to have to handle the business as well. You yeah, know? for sure. And people tend to forget about that. And it's, uh, a, it's a balance of both, man. Yeah, it I is. Was, I was telling, like, why do you think, you know, you're the, you could be the world, world's greatest portrait photographer that's yeah. great if you don't know how to handle the business side of it you're gonna be a starving artist yeah dude you know? and hollywood is a business and so yeah. it has to make its money and that's why it's so whitewashed at this oh. current moment because america yeah. itself is well, we're 100 percent minorities in here too awesome i'm half minority yeah. so oh. <laughs> when we when we started the youtube channel and started doing our stuff like we made it so that we could put ourselves in it and danny wants you know, to be an actor. And that's why he put himself in the videos as a lead instead of being, you know, the villain all the time. Cause he, he had an agent uh, in Hollywood and, um, he was just getting like these racist stereotypical, like, Damn. uh, yeah. Arab roles. And you know, like, what is Danny? Is, is he, 
Danny's Persian. Persian. He's Persian. Yeah, he's, he's Persian. Persian. Um, so he was like, you know, I'm fucking sick of this. Why don't I just make my own stuff? Because Hollywood will never cast him as a lead mm-hmm. at this moment. So why not just do it ourselves? Like I like, I'm not just gonna walk up into Hollywood and start shooting a movie. So why don't I just fucking do my own videos and start, you know, doing it our own way? And it's crazy because only now is it starting to pay off all our work. Because, dude. It fucking <laughs> so long. So, oh, sorry, <laughs> bro. I'm trying so Why hard. Why do you say like that? <laughs> I fucking hate you. My bad. I'm sorry, yeah. but when he starts laughing, bro, I can't. <laughs> bro. Dude, all we, of us. We have that. Have you, you know, like yeah. <laughs> we uh, almost yeah. got we almost got fired from one job. We used to work together at this yeah. company, bro. And he found this one key and peel scare that he showed him, <laughs> and we just couldn't, bro. We we couldn't handle it. Like I was almost on the floor, like, crying, crying, Dude. like almost passing out because yeah, I couldn't stop. Supervisor got so salty. He's like, you guys gotta get the fuck out of this room or separate far apart. And we we're like, and <laughs> that's, we why having, that's why having a podcast Damn. is so challenging, bro, because of our personalities. He's a goofball. You Dude, know what I mean? So yeah. our when we were running our podcast, it was such a challenge. And we all learned how to like control ourselves. Yeah, yeah, just calm like, down. But yeah, you always need someone to just keep pushing forward because Dude, that's what you were trying together. to do. That's what <laughs> Sorry, I was, dude, what I was us, trying to do. All of us together in a room, like, oh my god, it, you don't even know. Yeah, it's a mess. It's good times though. You when know? the cameras are off, absolutely, a it lot was... of shit goes down. Uh, but anyway, back to what I was saying. What was I saying? You were Fucking... talking. You were talking about. Oh, um, when we first started doing yeah. videos, like no mm-hmm. one's like no one's gonna hand us our jobs, so we need to go out and make the job ourselves. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, oh yeah, I people nowadays like you think of a job in terms of oh i need to go out and get this job so i can make money and you know take care of myself but like dude what if you don't want a day job and what if the stuff that you want to do doesn't exist yet well then just go on fucking make it and that's easier said than done but that's literally what we did yeah because there's film isn't like film in vegas isn't like what it is like a few years ago mm-hmm. you know and it's constantly changing and and i feel like a lot a reason why a lot of people don't do that is because is like you said because it's not there they they don't know that they can start that yeah and they can Dude. they can create that culture and they can create that environment it's especially apparent when it's time to do your taxes because you don't fit in any of these brackets you're like <laughs> well, what the fuck do i do yeah <laughs> like my job didn't exist a few years ago you know yeah. Well, think about everybody who was doing Bitcoin, bro. Oh, yeah. You know? Dude, that's, They've that's been doing a Bitcoin whole since, other thing. Yeah, since 2009. But then just recently, they started helping you out in your taxes and how you can actually account for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the jobs didn't exist yet, so we made it ourselves. And that's how we got started. And that's why we usually cast um, our friends, and most of our friends are actors. And mm-hmm. just from the network, you know, when it grows. And like I said, it's a business. And so you need to think of it in terms of like... Okay, I'm going to put my friends in this, but how am I going to present it in a way that is a consumable for the most amount of people or like the target audience, you know? Yeah. And that's where casting comes in. When we find our talent, like that's what we think of. Dude, our pre-production for every single one of our videos are like months long and it's Damn. so much thinking. And it's not just like, oh, how are we going to do this video? But how are we going to do this video to market it and how to sell it? Like right. how to make a return. Well, I'm pretty sure you you have to figure out even when you release it kind of, right? Yeah, like, we have what, a marketing like, plan. What's going to be coming out that's around there. Exactly. Kind of like how you guys kind of like nailed it with the, uh, the Nightwing series, yeah. right? Yeah. I was near the Dark Knight. Yeah, look at all of our releases. Flash vs. Quicksilver came out when the uh, Flash season two premiered. Yeah. 
or season one, the, the Flash show premiere. Yeah. Um, Deadpool versus Deadpool released around the time the uh, Deadpool original Deadpool trailer like leaked mm-hmm. or the footage. The one um, with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, our Nightwing the series came out around the time of the Dark Knight Rises. Like all of our videos are planned to a certain point. Yeah, our Captain America video came out when uh, Infinity War came out. You know, like Sick. all of this is planned. Like yeah. it's just not willy nilly. Oh yeah, I want to do this, so I'm gonna do it. No. We have an entire whiteboard and we have multiple whiteboards and like folders and like sticky Jeez. notes. Have an idea, put it up there and then we'll find a way to incorporate into whatever it is our business plan is at the time, you know, and like looking towards the future. Because if you think about these videos, we plan them for months and it takes months to finish too. Yeah. So we don't just think about how to make the video. We think about how to market it too. And so um, it's... It's crazy because when we have an idea, we'll just put it on the board and then we'll think, oh yeah, when is you know the next thing going to be announced mm-hmm. or when is it going to be released? We'll plan out the timeline there, backtrack from the release date and then think, okay, if we do pre-production for four months, we shoot in two days and then we have another two months of uh, post and stuff like that. By the time we release, we should be able to hit this date. Fuck, you know? That's so tough. I was going to say one thing too. Um, what was one of the most difficult projects you've worked on? Nightwing the series, our web series. Yeah, absolutely yeah, the most hard so well too. Wait, but you guys yeah. did a Kickstarter for that one, right? Yeah, we did do can a I, Kickstarter. Can I ask you, talk a little bit about the, we're a little bit over our time limit here. I hope these cameras don't burn out. Hmm. But I, I want to kind of, I want people to understand the the process that it took to make that. Oh my God. You guys don't even know. No one knows, man. No yeah, one knows. Let them and, know. And you don't know until you actually do it yourself. Like I can explain to you guys like what we did, but you don't understand. The until stress? You, or the what? Just or the... everything. The stress, the emotional toil, the physical toil, the, the everything in it. Because think about it like this. We did a Kickstarter and we got $35,000 plus, you know, whatever other money we put in ourselves mm-hmm. to do this web series that's 44 minutes long when I didn't even finish film school yet. So you're telling me you want to do a whole, uh, like, short feature on like trying to aim for a high production value kind of look, but on a budget of $35,000 when we are still in school, like it was fucking ridiculous. Damn. And not only that, so it's not like someone just handed us the money. Like we worked to get, raise the money on Kickstarter, which means we have to handle that money too. Yeah. And usually on like a how feature. How it's allocated? Yeah. Like how, like, Oh my God. Like, this is why movies cost so much because you hire so many people. You, you're supposed to hire people to do their job, and we were wearing so many hats. And, and at yeah. that point, how many? It was only three of you at this time? It or four? was four of us. Okay. It, Damn. Yeah, four of us. And then we got some other people to join in the project. Like, the whole, even before the Kickstarter finished, um, we were already planning for a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like, up until then. And, like, so many times scripts and stories were just literally thrown out or like come up with something completely new the idea changed so many times which by the way if you're going to do a kickstarter for anything film related have a script done before you do the kickstarter that's one of the biggest things we've Why ever you learned. say that because if you do a kickstarter and you finish that funding period and you get the money now you have the money now you have to deliver on the product or else yes. you just stole these people's money and you yeah. have to return it if you don't have a script already Everything is up in the air. You have no plan on what to do whatsoever with that budget. The way to plan a film project now with Kickstarter, and this is really the 
I think the best way to do it is you don't look at Kickstarter as, oh yeah, we're going to get this money so that we can do this. No, that's not how you think about it. The money is just supplementing whatever it is you want to do. Right. So like we, we have this idea already. We have the script. We have everything scheduled out. Yeah. Now we just need to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. And some and most of what people do now on Kickstarter is they find angel investors and other people who want to and other companies like yeah. studios who want to invest in this film project. And the Kickstarter is just for additional revenue. Yeah, to kind of help like peak design. Backing. I know that's not video. But yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly really how good. they planned it too. Yeah. And like most successful film productions that occur from Kickstarter, script is already planned. Mm-hmm. The shoot days are already planned. Like production is already planned and production goes in after the Kickstarter ends. So, so they, they already, already got have, locations down. Yeah, they, they have got, everything yeah. locked down. They already have the revenue from like angel investors or like branded deals or content. And so those branded deals and those companies that invest in your film project, mm-hmm. you're using the Kickstarter money to help pay some of it back and also to get that, take that extra budget to take it to the next level. And you sell that to companies and to studios in a way where Okay, so if you guys help fund, you know, this certain amount for our project, um, will you guys let us do a Kickstarter, a crowdfunding source to earn even more revenue? Because if you guys, you as a studio can only give us this amount, we can do this. But if we fund it with Kickstarter and we get this Mm. and hit this goal, we can do even more with this story. And you have to sell studios on that and so that when you run the Kickstarter and it finishes, you're already ready to shoot. Uh, yeah. Because you already have everything locked down, everything's paid for, and once you actually do, um, like, shoot the project, the Kickstarter money comes in and you start allocating for posts and stuff like that and you start paying So paying the for studios everything. are technically the angel investors? Yeah. Okay, got like, it. Because it can be angel investors and... Um, or you can literally pitch to a studio depending and on what just, you want to do. Let's just put that out there. What is an angel investor? Exactly? Angel investor. Angel investors are. Uh, that term refers to investors who are like people, like just a person, you know, mm-hmm. who wants to throw in a large sum of money. Who believes in your product? Yeah. Because it's not. Do they? They don't ask for the money back, or do? Oh no! It's like yeah. if anything with the word "invest in" yeah. means a return, you need yeah. a return. And what, is it with, with interest? interest? Or is angel yes. investors usually with interest? Oh, yeah, okay. of course, because yeah. they need to make their money back. I thought so, it was just some. Uh, they so one in. of the things that Melissa brought to us, and like what we learned uh, doing film for a while, is like if you're looking for angel investors for a project that you want to do, look not to people who do film, but people who have a lot of money. Yeah, like yeah. that's the key thing. People think that oh, I need to pitch this idea to a studio or like to someone who's a director or a producer. It's like that they're not going to get your money because they want to do their stuff. Yeah. you need to pitch to someone who has no ties to whatsoever oh, to the film capital industry. Capital ventures, what is it called? Yeah, like capital ventures, where people and the best time to do it is around winter time, like at the end of the fiscal year, because people are just trying to offload money for tax reasons, so they don't need. They yeah, don't so get taxed. Damn. So beautiful way, write-offs. Yeah, beautiful write-offs. Like, because they, in their eyes, they're looking at this as, um, like an asset. Like they're yeah. moving their funds, their capital, to another bucket so that the IRS doesn't look at it mm-hmm. and be like, okay, I can write, you know, yeah, tax they don't you on tax this you amount. on that basically. Exactly, and so. Yeah. When an investor gives you a lump sum to write off on his taxes, he is expecting a return. So that's why you need to already have all your business plans and everything planned out on how to get that money back. You can't just pitch, oh, this is going to be an awesome idea. Can you give us money? No, because 
that person they doesn't have to see the ROI on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not going to care about your movie. They don't care about the art. They don't care about the film itself. So don't pitch them on the film. Pitch them on the business plan. Mm. So you got to be like, yo, I want to make this superhero film. Yeah. What? Uh, this is how much superhero films gross on average. Yeah. This is the interest for it in these areas, and you know, you gotta have, you kind of have to have an entire plan as far as like how they're going to make their money back. Exactly, and that's with angel investors and like mm-hmm. capital ventures and stuff like that. But like, if you're pitching to a studio, you're pitching to a room full of filmmakers. Well, let me rephrase that: you're pitching to us to a room full of people who understand film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so you have to pitch differently. Like you would pitch your idea for a studio and you would pitch your business plan to a, an investor. Mm-hmm. That's usually how you think of it. So could I also ask like how how do you show an ROI or that you're going to make your money back? So this is where this this is where it all gets tricky because of how new this platform is. Like if you're in if you're trying to make a uh, movie or a film project or something to put on online instead of like distrib- distributing it through, you know, normal like theater yeah. venues and stuff like that. Um, you usually hire a social media manager or like a, a marketing manager plan that focuses on online media. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know some people just purely based on networking at these conventions that we go to and mm-hmm. you know when we do Comic-Con and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. there are plenty of people there who are working for different brands that are like coming up with uh, branding and marketing plans to pitch to other brands for brand content. So, for example, Loot Crate is a huge investor in film. Um, Are they? Uh, let me rephrase that. Used to be. Uh, okay. They're not not so much anymore because um, they're trying to pivot a little bit. But, like, they'll have someone who specifically just do the marketing for their social media stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, how we do, uh, we have uh, a team of people who just do our social media. Um they come up with plans, they bring it to you, pitch it to you, and then you refine the plan, and now you have a pitch deck and a business plan. Take that plan to whatever investor and you show them, this is how we're going to market our stuff. And based on all the statistics that we have learned the past, you know, however long we're doing it, signs show that you will make a return if we do these things. Oh, uh, Okay. And that's how you sell them on that idea. Damn, there's so much that goes yeah. into it, man. The business. And and I know, oh, yeah. and, I, and I know you mentioned um, this is all the simplified version, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, I'm sure I there's levels know it's to crazy. it. There's yeah. levels to this shit. Yeah, I'm gonna say, going back to your whiteboard idea. Yeah, I, I have a whiteboard, bro. Then Dude, chug, put it up. And then Chuck drew penises all over. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like he doesn't do anything. No, screw you, bro. It was filled with things. Oh, was it? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we have a ton of shit on our whiteboard too. But at least the ideas are there. You know, but that's at least, the important part. But at least they're courteous enough to use sticky so you can remove them, Chuck. <laughs> oh yeah, you know? I drew. I drew through all the text. Oh my like, god. I didn't fuck it up. Like I didn't fuck up the text. Yeah. I was just like. He's That's some good knowledge to have right there, man. Uh, at Rosemary, you know you know Rosemary for hard. Yeah, I know Roro. <laughs> she wants to know what you love most about cinematography. What I love most? Cinnamon, cinematography. Cinematography. Cinnabuntography. A memony, an enemy. What I love most. I think... So... I just watched a movie and I can't remember where. Oh, her. Have you guys seen oh, her? Oh yeah. So, do you guys remember this line in the movie where Samantha tells uh, the guy that, or Theodore, that um, memories are just a story that we tell ourselves. Yeah. So for me, 
uh, and this is what I discovered in film school as I, as I was doing more film, is that the way that I think about my memories, I think I picture them like a movie almost. And the memories are a story that I tell myself about what I think I remember that day, but not necessarily like the fine details. Like, have you guys seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Which one is part that? Part of it, the one with Jim, Jim Carrey? Carrey? No. So part of it. The, the biggest thing or the big plot device in that movie is that uh, it's about memories and stuff like that and um, what you remember. And to them, the way that they portrayed memories is that it's all these tones and textures in these environments, but no one's face is there. Mm. Or like... It's kind of genius. Which is really cool because that's how memories really work is that you remember big washes of things but you don't remember the tiny details unless it's like really either traumatic or like it's it stands out so there's always yeah. that one thing that stands out in a memory but everything else is just blur in the background yeah. it's kind of fill like, out the yeah, world all those details are like peripheral vision yeah like you and know they're there yeah you just can't you can't, you can't look make at them, them exactly out. Yeah. yeah so with me and cinematography my favorite thing about my cinematography specifically like w as i do it is it's a way for me to tell that story of a memory back to me and have it visually presented in front of me that's cool so when i think of ideas when i try to frame something up or i try to create a tone or a palette for a certain project for a movie or a commercial or something or anything really i think about the memories that evoke certain emotions about what it is I'm trying to create. And so to me, when I lay down what it is on film, on, you know, when I shoot something, it's a representation of what I feel like I remember in that certain moment, whatever emotion it is that mm -hmm. I'm trying to evoke. Like, for example, if um, there's a scene on a beach and two, a guy and a girl are talking to each other in the script and I want and I need to shoot that scene on the beach. I look at the story, I read the story and read the context and I think about the emotions that are happening in that moment. And, mm -hmm. and when I think about those emotions, in my head, I have things playing that evoke that emotion from memories. And like, I remember how that felt. I remember how that felt or how that, or I think that would feel to me if I didn't already have that experience. And I think, okay, I'm in my mind, this is what I'm getting and this is what I'm like these colors, these tones, the way that it's composed, what does it remind me of? And then I just try to Damn. replicate what I see in my head on. And, and, and that's, and that's where the technical side of things come into play. Yeah. But you also, like you said, you have to yeah, have, dude, that. you need to have that technical foundation because it need, it frees you really. Cause then it's like learning how to drive. You need to learn how to operate the fucking car before you decide where you want to go with the car. Yep, for yeah. sure. Like, and once you learn how to drive and you understand your car, now you can just drive anywhere you want. Same thing with cinematography. You need to learn the, the technical side of things, all, everything about the gear that you have so that you now can decide wherever it is you want to go. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I agree with that. There you go, Dude. Rosemary. Row, my row. Favorite Jeremy, thing about cinematography. Jeremy Lee dropping those uh, nuggets. Ooh. Rob Chato wants to know. <laughs> oh, boy. What? He wants to know why Red is the best camera system ever invented. Oh, man. Red is the best. I love it. <laughs> is that a Red? Is that a red? It's funny because like in the world of YouTube now and yeah. like social media and everything, you know, pop culture, the way it is, when videography exploded, like the biggest high-end camera that's the most popular because of the marketing is red digital oh, yeah. cinema, you know? And dude, the cameras are great, but the way that people react to it now is just, oh my God. They see a red and they Can't go, Can't even lie though. 
I've watched so many videos where people have problems with them. Like Jacob oh, Owens yeah. just had problems with his, and then uh, dude, this, red, I've a red like red itself has given me the most problems I've ever had with cameras. Really? Anytime I shoot with a red, yeah. Yeah, for a camera that's that expensive, you wouldn't expect that. It's th- just. Do you think it's because they keep releasing new ones, so they're not properly? Yeah, it's just you know, like keeping up with the cycle. Yeah. It's just like keeping up with demand, and just it's their business model. And uh, Gerard Land, Jared Land, I don't know how to say his first name. I'm pretty sure it's Gerard. Um, uh, and uh, Jim Jannard, they kind of like founded Red the way it is now. Yeah. Um, their uh, the whole Red ecosystem philosophy is all about modularity and keeping up with the the cutting edge stuff. And that's always an issue because if you want to keep up with the cutting edge stuff, then you're going to have to sacrifice reliability for sometimes because sure. it's so new. There's it's no so support buggy for it. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, mm. but you need to understand that that's what you're getting if you want to get into the red ecosystem. And it's just funny because like at this point, so many people, like high end like productions and people who are you know the top YouTubers, they shoot on red and stuff like that because they can afford it. They're like, oh yeah, this is the best camera that money can buy right now. And it's like that. Well, if you're just a, you know, a kid in high school and you just watch this video yeah. from your favorite YouTuber saying that this is the best camera out right that's now. That's what they're working towards. Yeah, that's what they're working towards. And yeah. that's their perception of what, you know, high-end cinema cameras well, are like. Well, even even MKBHD, man, he shoots, yeah. on, a, he shoots on a what, a Red Epic? Yeah, or, uh, Red Helium. Red Helium, yeah. an AK sensor? Yeah, AK. For YouTube, bro. Yep. Dude, anything other than like a fucking it's like, crazy. Dude, anything higher than your phone is like overkill for overkill. YouTube. <laughs> honestly, because YouTube just gonna compress yeah. the shit. And then people it. say that to us all the time. It's like, dude, this is kind of overkill for YouTube, isn't it? It's like I tell them, dude, we're not YouTubers. This isn't YouTube. We're filmmakers, so we like this helps us. YouTube perf- is not ultimately your platform. You want to put it out to yeah. like just a Blu-ray, DVD, film. Like other this helps platforms. push our craft, and like if. Like, if we want to make movies, then why aren't we working towards making movies, you know? Right. Why are we making YouTube shit? There's, like, somebody asking, like, uh, okay, well, you shoot music videos. Why are you Why are you shooting on, on this $3,000 camera when you're posting it on Instagram? It's just a platform. That's just what, that's not ultimately my yeah, exactly. final output, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. just a platform that helps you push that content out. Exactly, and you never know what you're going to need in the future, you know? So, in essence, red cameras are the best cameras in the world. Please go buy them, buy two, <laughs> and send me one. That's a joke. That's sarcasm, by the way. There you go, yeah. sarcasm. I much prefer Alexis, Ooh. but, you know, whatever. You said Alexis? No, Alexa. Ari. Oh, Ari. Oh, Ari. Oh, Ale- okay, gotcha. Alexa. Alexis. Yeah. Alexis. There we go. Alexis. <laughs> Dang, I think that kind of wraps up everything yeah. we kind of had for you, man. You kind of oh, burned through thank everything. You. That's yeah. uh well, like thank a you. Do, do you want to do you want to let people know where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me on all social media platforms at Jeremy Lee with three Y, so J E R E M Y Y Y L E. Why is that? Um Jeremy Lee was already taken. <laughs> so I was just like dad two more wise. You got to d- you got to yeah. DM that guy. And you can find uh all our YouTube and Ismoc stuff at on all social media platforms at Ismahawk. I S M A Hawk, like a bird. H A W K. We're gonna go ahead and put all your information <laughs> down in the description yes. down below for iTunes, Spotify. But uh, thank yeah, you so until much, next Jeremy. time, Dude, thank no. you, Ooh. thank you for having me, yes. guys. Well, we appreciate your time, bro. I, I was, a, I was like, damn, we're gonna have Jeremy Lee on the podcast. Yeah, I was excited. We officially, damn, we've officially hit that next level, bro. That next, uh, Dude, nah, yeah. don't talk about that, the, man. The, the, the next time you come in here, we're gonna have reds everywhere. Reds, <laughs> every your camera, <laughs> all, red. all monstros. <laughs> All monstrous. But, uh, thank oh, you guys yeah. for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys in the next morning dinner. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry.